0: Welcome to the podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about the new challenge on Riding in Junk. It's the it's the challenge baby that Jillie has been working on. It is a seasonal overlay challenge where you take a trope or a theme that we've already decided on and lay it on top of the ideas you're currently working on, whether they're for other challenges or just that you've already got playing, to challenge yourself and to make yourself grow as a writer and just give you a bigger experience in fandom. And one of the things that I've been exploring lately, for me personally, is my headcanon around the Sentinel. And um, just because it got static and old, for me and i started this with heart of the lion uh and exploring uh the psionic connections and the bonds and t- talking trying to work in some of the concepts from the force dyad that was in star wars the, the last three epi- um, episodes of star wars because I needed to expand my horizon and my world building when it came to the Sentinel because I was getting bored. And sometimes you have a really small like for me, this the Sentinel, I had a really small headcanon for the Sentinel. I never really got beyond that. Um, I have a huge headcanon for Harry Potter. I have a pretty big one for Stargate. Uh but I'm still developing my headcanon for nine one one. Um But when it came to the sentinel i had a really small kind of confined headcanon and exploring that over the last two years and kind of expanding on those concepts i had in my brain it's been really interesting and it's making the sentinel interesting again so as a writer and someone who is striving to create transformative works i want to be in that place where i'm going what if what if what if when i'm creating um, which is kind of, you know, which is like a challenge like this will kind of open your horizons to different um, uh, different characters, different situations, different relationships. So, Jillian is going to tell us about each seasonal situation and uh, we'll go from there.
1: Each seasonal situation. So, how this came about, as <laughs> um, I, I did tell the person, I did tell Sadria that we're, I was going to blame her publicly, um, was. <laughs> um i was talking with uh, i don't remember if it was just on just right or what but it was something about that fem slash is very underrepresented and um and i don't remember the exact nature of what was discussed but it really got me thinking about because it was definitely the, there was a question about to incorporating fem slash into a challenge um and I, I was thinking about how to do that how to how to bring that into a challenge that wasn't just here's a fem slash bingo, which we could definitely do, but, and then I got to thinking about, um, we, we, I had an initial different draft of, like, the four seasons, like, do something sapphic summer, and that's where we started, and then I got to thinking that there are other, uh, thematic or, tro- uh, you know, underrepresented things thematically or j- genre-wise, uh, character-wise that are really underrepresented in not just in fandom, but also in original work. And so we decided to do a theme for each, each season where you try to incorporate more of that into your writing, Uh, at least one work. And it, like I said, we wanted it to be an overlay, not a challenge of its own, where you're signed up for something else, whether it's a bingo, whether it's a, a challenge, like a bang for somebody else. And you can just lay this on top of it and then submit it to the collection. We'll have a collection for, the, for the, that thing. And so Winter is about exploring original characters. Um, we're calling it Original Winter and original winter is about developing and creating fandom really hates the original character uh so Boy, didn't it. <laughs> right some people are gonna be very comfortable in this space <laughs> hush three uh fandom really doesn't like the original character so uh is i think it's really for some people this is going to be a real stretch to try to make a main character and that's the challenge is to make it a main character one of your at least one of your main characters an O.C. And some people are very comfortable in this space. Kira is very comfortable in this space. I'm comfortable in this space. So for us, this isn't going to be as, this season is going to be as big of a stretch. And maybe after you've done this two or three years, none of the seasons will be a big stretch. And that will be awesome. And that will be Examples awesome. Examples of
0: that in our works would be, for me, The Absence of War, where Armand Deering is the main character. Um what's the one with the awesome lady that i forgot it just fell right on my brain i had it at dot where's dot the dark road <laughs> the dark road it was in my brain and literally fell out and of course lady holder is doing a series an episodic series um featuring chief cooper who's an original character um <clears throat> and exploring original characters is your road to original work outright
1: right So in this theme, this overlay, if you want to write, all we're asking, we didn't set up, there's no signups for these, and there's no no minimum, because I figured if you're doing this as an overlay, your other challenge is going to have a minimum. But if there isn't a minimum and you want to just write a story specifically for this challenge because you're not participating in anything else, we're asking for a 3,000-word minimum. Just kind of don't make it too easy on yourself. Um, and honestly, if you're exploring, if you're developing an original character, you need more than a thousand words. This is my opinion here. Just throwing that out there. Um, so the challenge for that for Winter is to develop an original character, at least one as your main character. You could do a main character pairing, two main characters, or however you want to handle that. Um, Spring, which is what we're about to start, which is kind of why we're rushing to get this in, get off for spring. Spring, we're calling it Alternative Spring. And spring is about exploring uh, gender and sexuality outside of the binary. And the goal here is to push yourself. So if you're used to exploring a bisexual character, you're not pushing yourself to write a bisexual character. It would be pushing yourself to write nor nor pan for that matter because there's there's a thin thin margin between bisexual and pan. Um yeah. so exploring an ace character would be pushing yourself perhaps or exploring I
0: think you're thinking that my fic for Big Moxie fits this. You're cute. Too? Because well yeah because while i have written eddie, eddie as demisexual it's always been like an after the fact kind of thing because he's already in love and already there and he's not struggling with the attraction oh so yeah that's you're right it's right. it, it, not it the really case is, in my new one
1: it really is a big theme yeah. that yeah um, um and the yeah. or 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 you could go explore outside the gender binary so you could explore a character who is um non-binary or who is gender fluid uh, just give yourself a little bit of a push if you're used to writing somebody who's cis male or cis female give yourself a push and write a character who is um, who is not that um, and we'll try to come up with some resources as we get as we're already at alternative spring so we'll try to come up with some resources for people who, who need some help with this or you can just ask for help in the just right channel like you know I don't want to call the channel I don't want to be a douche come across like a douche so could somebody give me some help (laughs) but sometimes that is what the situation is it's like i don't know how to approach this and i i don't want to be insensitive so somebody help me and Um, honestly it's if
0: you're not wrong to be worried about it because fandom will jump on you with both feet at the least provocation um, right. Even if you're coming into this with the best of intentions and you put it out there, this is my, the best of my intentions, and you have 10 people say, oh, this is exactly what I have as my own experience, you'll have one asshole come along and tell you that you're transphobic.
1: <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> or, or et cetera. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's really daunting to, you know, For some people, I mean, I, I honestly don't think there's an insult left that a fan can throw at me. Um, so I'm, you know, okay. That's really interesting. You, all your bisexual energy, lady holder. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, so just the, the idea is this, this is, I feel like we, when we talked about this, this is an underrepresented and underserved segment of, uh, character characterization in terms of character building that people don't often push themselves into developing characters that are outside the binary um, outside of perhaps writing bisexual characters I would say bisexual or pansexual characters it's the most common thing and and I think there's been a lot more expression of demisexual characters in the last few years but outside of that slow evolution that it is um, underrepresented so that's why we wanted to give a seasonal theme um, for that. And then summer, uh, the summer months, we're calling Sapphic Summer. And that is about how tragically underserved uh, f- fandom has made the world in terms of fem slash. So And you can accomplish your fem slash however you want. If you have to rule 63 a character, do it. If you have to rule 63 two characters, do that. <laughs>
0: um, I am about to be all over this. I have an idea. I've already done some casting. I found an utterly gorgeous picture of anna kendrick and every picture of ruby rose is gorgeous so i'm set (laughs) it's gonna be
1: good so i'm ready to go uh just do what you be either pick pick two characters that are already female or or make your female characters how you will (laughs) i don't care just have them be two female characters and yes, it can be, your fem slash can be, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a platonic pairing. It could be like, um, you know. But it has to be a pairing. So it needs to be in love romantically together. I don't know how you would have it be platonic and aromantic kind of thing. I think that that probably wouldn't satisfy the challenge, the theme. Um,
0: this, is, this would be a good time to dust off your Rizzoli and Isles um, ideas that you never wrote.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm probably going to finish the uh, the the kira kira gave me permission to do an authorized sequel to her wish baby story for hen and karen and i'm probably gonna dust off my uh my start to that and so um and then in the uh in the fall um we have vibrant autumn and thank you to the man for naming it um
0: my husband stepped up to the plate
1: he did he did And Um, his reasoning was amazing. I
0: was like, I just stared at him like, what?
1: And so he took your cookie and we all let him get away with it. Like everybody agreed except for you that he deserved that cookie.
0: It was my cookie. I'd already warmed it up. It was the perfect temperature.
1: He got your cookie. But I think he deserved your cookie. The
0: word vibrant because it speaks to good vibes and, uh, Vivid culture among people of color. Um, and it was just like, dude, shut
1: up. Go downstairs. Yeah. So I, I, mean. I was, <laughs> I had originally, I originally kind of like my working title for Autumn was Colorful Autumn, but I wasn't liking it. So I was like, this feels off. Could and, the And um uh, Kira, I said, Kira, so I tagged Kira. I said, Kira, ask the man what, what he thinks. And I think the answer was, it's a little weird, but not offensive. Um, yeah. And I said, well, give me a better word. And she comes back all huffy. He said vibrant, and then he took my cookie. <laughs> I was like, brilliant! Um, and he took my cookie. And he took her cookie. No,
0: it was a chocolate walnut. Ch- it was a chocolate chip walnut cookie.
1: could only have been better if it had coconut in it. He, um,
0: if, if it had coconut in it, I would have got to keep it. Because he doesn't like coconut. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so... Autumn is about uh, BIPOC characters, Um, get your underrepresented, because I mean, let's be real, media is very focused, you know, it is getting, especially some shows in some areas, but very focused on particularly white men, but definitely on white characters. So it's about a main character being black, indigenous, person of color, do do the thing get out there and do it now some people are very comfortable in this space already they already write main characters who are bipoc or uh, they already write characters they already write fem slash i mean when it comes to the fem slash and the bipoc if you already do that write more i mean we need more of it um when it comes to i i think there probably aren't a ton of people who are super comfortable with every aspect of the um, outside of the binary uh, gender and sexuality. So if if you're comfortable writing outside the binary for sexuality, are you also comfortable writing outside the binary for gender? In which case, push yourself there. So, but those are the themes is to each season kind of overlay that. And like I said, we didn't want to make it so that people had another challenge to do when they've already got the big moxie and they've got rough trade and they got the quantum bang and potentially they've got other challenges signing up for. I know people do other bingos so it's more of a theme that you could apply to something else you were doing and then just post it during. and the posting will be the entire three months of the season so once the first of the season rolls around you can start you can post I don't care so anything you're doing in the challenge in a challenge that happens during that month um, you could submit so Quantum bang will always fall during um, alternative spring because we Mm -hmm. always post in June. I had to think about that. (laughs) But whenever your bang happens, whenever the post happens, you can actually plan and say, okay, the posting from that this bang is going to be in September. I know that's the last month of sapphic summer. So maybe you want to do your double duty and do your bang uh, with ladies banging.
0: (laughs) It also, because these themes are quarterly, it lines up perfectly with the Big Moxie. Um, Our Big Moxie themes will change yearly, but I don't see why these layers couldn't be added to those themes on a continuous basis if you want to explore that and stress yourself and challenge yourself and get out of the box you're, you're, you're sitting in and sit on top of it. Because I don't want to stop growing and I don't want you as a writer to stop growing. That's not the place I ever want to be creatively. Yes, my chair is still squeaky. I, I have used an entire can of WD-40. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs>
1: she hasn't found... I can't reach what that the spot. <laughs> she hasn't found the squeak point. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Fuck it. At this point, I just need to get a new chair. <laughs> it's just like, this is one of those you can have the house, I'll buy a new in moments. <laughs> Dark, you, you're going to be in the corner the rest of the year for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I appreciate it.
0: But for the record, I have never, ever seen the word boxed to describe the vagina outside of straight up porn.
1: I haven't seen it used. I mean, I I know the word outside of porn, but I have never seen it used like in in casual conversation or anything.
0: No, Nix. No.
1: (laughs) You don't have a story for me.
0: But honestly, it is a porn term. When I see that, no matter what the writer might be thinking they're writing, they're writing porn, in my mind. There's just some terms or like inappropriately using the word come. If you don't know the difference between C-O-M-E and C-U-M...
1: <clears throat> yeah, when, when somebody writes, I'm going to come over there, and it's spelled that way, I just kind of go, wow, that's a threat.
0: I mean, but in porn, you'll see writers saying, I'm going to come, C-U-M, when it should be C-O-M-E. Because C-O-M-E is a verb, verb. and C-U-M is a, what's it?
1: It's a stuff. It's a stuff.
0: It's a thing. It's a, yeah. So, come is the substance, and C-U-M-E is the activity. So, whenever you see somebody using C-U-M in the activity, be assured they probably read too much porn. They read too much porn.
1: Well, wanton and wanton is just a case of word confusion. It's not quite the same thing as people not understanding the difference between the substance and the, cause it, it's a very common mix up cuz the two words are used in the same activity. I can't think of a case of where you would use wanton and wanton in the same activity. So,
0: I'm trying to think of one but I can't. <laughs> I,
1: I can't. I mean, we we're we, we, there. Can, I cannot We could can, we could come and, up with it. The wanton ate a wanton. I mean, it's it's just it's weird. It's just nothing, you know, <laughs> you know. But the thing is, during during the course of having sex, someone will come and produce come, and it's so it is easy to understand how those two words got conflated because they'll they could potentially be side by side, you know. <laughs> but I can't think of any. I can't think of many circumstances where the wanton went and got some wantons. <laughs> it's just it's just. It's it reminds awkward. me
0: of all those tweets about girls using the word cologne, M- meaning cologne but saying colon.
1: Yeah, I can smell his colon from over here. It's like, oh, that's <laughs> unfortunate. Oh, wow,
0: <laughs> get him to a doctor right now,
1: and and put a mask on or something. You don't know how to smell that. <laughs> <laughs> um, waste
0: and waste. I have to check. I have to check my own shit for that. Waste and waste because sometimes my I write faster than I I, it's just me and my brain sometimes we don't get along. I know what I meant, but what I meant and why I typed two different things,
1: yeah. So, does anybody if anybody has any questions about this? Well, I'll continue yapping, but um, if anybody has any questions, just drop them in chat. Um, Where is the list posted? Uh, We will be, we will create. The page is a work in progress. I will say that. So be patient with with the page. Because I am editing from the Big Moxie. So the FAQ part, I haven't really touched all that much. Um, So, um, but there will be a a, uh, channel over on Writing and Junk, not on Writing and Junk, on Just Write. So that we can, people can ask questions and, because we are about to enter the per- first period for the alternative did you do i get we will re- i did okay
0: that was i have this crazy habit of doing that i'm sorry um i do it everywhere <laughs> i can't help myself. i don't know why kind like of this little click thing it's this little anyways <laughs> um so we'll do a link list like we're doing for the big moxie
1: yeah yeah, so it'll be, be great to get a collection every year of, um, all you know, all the fem slash stories returned in, all of the, you know, um, alternative gender, you know, all, and I can outs- give you guys the outside of the binary. Preview.
0: I'll give you guys a preview of what um, the Big Moxie is going to look like. Um, I am working on the list, so I have a, um, I have a page that I am building on that isn't you know it's public, but it's not linked anywhere. So I'm going to show you guys that, and um, it. Uh, I'm working on it, but I think uh, it's a little more work than I intended on doing. But I think it's working out really well. I really like the organization. So if that organization works and we don't have any problems with people and their devices, I guess it will be how we do this one as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, since we bought the plugin, right? our our money worked
0: on that you guys better really enjoy these accordions because we're going to be using them everywhere (laughs) we put down a pretty penny for this (laughs) as my grandpa would say so yeah um, but uh, that page will go live once the first challenge is finished and then we'll add to it throughout the year and then we'll probably since these themes are these themes static static we might just have a page for each theme
1: yeah, possibly.
0: Yeah. Or would and be then a tab we could do... for each theme. And then uh no, probably a for for the for, each theme. for the uh
1: for the uh I would think that for the um I think a page for each theme for each season, ultimately for the posting list. That way we can just mm-hmm. have a, a year. Here's the stuff that came in for twenty twenty two, here's the screen with twenty twenty three. Okay, yeah. And then yeah yeah. The the tabs would be the years. Because if we do this for five years, um, that people who want to read the fem slash can just go to the Sapphic Summer page.
0: Yeah, so I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um.
1: So y'all can, um, uh, you know, um, blame Sadria. I mean, credit Sadria. She started this. Um, <laughs> I kind of, you know, I, I like to, I like to, I like to run with things and try to find a way to um, how to implement it in a way that is the, as accessible as it can be for as many people as possible. And since we already run a lot of challenges, I didn't want to like toss in another challenge with defined dates. Well, this has defined dates, but with like a specific due date and a sign up and stuff, you just, here's the theme, here's the period of time in which it is. If you post in that period and you should know what your challenge schedule looks like. I know what mine looks like. Um, so.
0: If you're thinking about female characters that you might like to work with, um, That don't get a lot of attention in fandom as as a main character. You look at characters like Melinda May in the MCU, um, Maria Hill in the MCU, uh, Captain Marvel in the MCU. Then we move to Stargate, you've got Sam Carter, Janet Frazier, Vala, uh, Taylor, of course. Taylor would be awesome. Uh, Elizabeth Weir, if you go there, you know. That's your jam. Uh, Up to us. Yeah, synthetic, yeah. I made Sam Carter trans in synthetic. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting dynamic to think about because in synthetic, uh, the Earth is basically uh, rejecting humans due to mistreatment. Um, And some humans kind of dig in, and the other humans like, you know what, we need to leave. But they can't leave in their organic bodies because they've already discovered that there is a cognitive connection between humans and the earth and the first and only time they tried to settle a different planet in their own solar system the people on mars went crazy from being away from earth for too long so between the biological fallout and all that stuff they my group of people move into synthetic bodies. And one of the principles that I kind of um, played with was body image and how attached them would be to their body image and if they would make changes and what kind of changes would they make. And John called them aftermarket upgrades. <laughs> and there um, came a point when I was thinking about Sam Carter and I actually made Sam Carter a trans man so that when she made the choice to go into a synthetic body she chose to to transition into a a male and became he and i wanted it presented in a very matter-of-fact way so when she's ta- when he is talking about the transition that he made um the only thing that he got asked was how how big um, how big would you, would you like your penis to be <laughs> here's your new body <laughs> What kind uh, of would you it? like?
1: Well, wait, I think Sam Sam's analytical enough to be like on the large side of functional.
0: <laughs> I wanna be able to swing it. <laughs> um did I cast yeah, I did cast. Um it's not posted anymore. Synthetic fell apart on me. Um it's really disappointing actually. Um Synthetic wasn't meant to be fandom um, Fanfiction. fan fiction and that was the problem. Uh but I do think I have a picture. Sometimes I, I think that if I had done the zero draft work on this, I would have known um that uh it wasn't going to work as fan fiction. But
1: uh Oh, the guy who played Smith Jared in the City. Yeah, that's um, Jason Lewis. Yeah, Jason. Um Kira Kara can let herself get dared. Who dared you to write someone basically I don't dared remember. you? Someone basically dared you to pants a challenge. I, I, I it wasn't me. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, I don't remember,
0: but it wasn't their fault. It was my own. I shouldn't. Yeah, have yeah. A, I shouldn't have been yeah.
1: But it was basically a dare, and of course, I, I'd, be, I'd have been the same way. If somebody throwing it at me, I'd have been like, of course, I can handle pantsing a challenge. Well, wow. it just, it wasn't. Honestly, it wasn't a. The, it wasn't a. Uh, a good challenge to pants. A good challenge to pants no. for a plotter is with a kind of a kind of world dynamic you're familiar with, like doing the Sentinel. You you know what theme is coming your direction, and you pick your fandom when you sign up, and then you just resist plotting. But that was a whole new world, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a big world building challenge, and so you focused heavily on your world building because you were trying not to plot, and uh, yeah.
0: My role building for that is banging, by the way.
1: <laughs> it is great, but it was not. It was not the best challenge. To, it was not the best challenge in its structure to, to to challenge and push yourself to pants something. It's like there are some challenges like. If you want to push yourself to try writing in the first person, a great challenge to have done that with would have been a single POV challenge, if you're a writer who wanted to push themselves with that. On the other hand, what would have been bad about that is a single POV challenge was a nano, was was November nano, so 50k. And that might, if you've never written first person, 50k might not be a good starting point for a stretch, right? So sometimes you got to pick your battles and Sometimes you want to try writing, you know, your first first person POV or your first whatever in something shorter. Um, so I mean, I know somebody who, who learned to write p- past tense uh, through a challenge, I think, and it got very comfortable for them in that shorter format challenge to write in past tense. Now, the funny thing is they actually write very nicely in present tense. So, uh, but it was a good not every writer can handle present tense writing very well but this particular writer (laughs) it is sadria sadria (laughs) don't be that way (laughs) but sadria actually writes um really nice present tense i actually because some writers you don't like want to like run away with their present tense writing and um um sadria as i recall sadria has two versions of a story up one in present tense and one in past tense. Am I right about this, Adria? Um Yes, she has her Icebreaker and Remix 394 uh, exists on the QB in present tense, and she edited it into past tense after we tricked her into doing the feeding frenzy. And I say tri- <laughs> like trick because the trick Icebreaker
0: <laughs> is probably one of the best. I do mean best titles. I was like, ever, "Oh, I'm so ever.
1: <laughs> I did the minute I saw the title for that story. I remember when I remember when art claims came around, and the title had, it had just been submitted. The title, and I poked Kara and I go, "MCU t- story title icebreaker." She went, "Holy shit, that is a great title!" <laughs> I'm so mad. That's really good. <laughs> But there's a different (laughs) version. She's got a different version. One in past tense on her own site and one in present tense. She left on the QB because that's how it was originally written in present tense. I often avoid present tense, but I do find uh, Sager's present tense for writing very readable. So I didn't have any problem reading the story. I enjoyed it very much. Um, But yeah, we did bamboozle her. The good
0: thing good, thing about good present tense is the same thing that's really good about good first person you don't notice
1: you don't notice it. Yeah. And I don't really. So we did kind of bamboozle her into joining us in the feeding frenzy. And one of the things though about the feeding frenzy is we did have a style guide and we did require everybody to write in third person past tense. And she did, she, she, she womaned up and she wrote in past tense. (laughs) And then she said it was actually, it was actually very comfortable. So um, at least some of her writing currently is still being done in past tense.
0: Lady <laughs> she's, Holder, she's um, still pouty about during it. <laughs> a rough, during a rough trade challenge, she actually prefers a single POV.
1: Yeah, crazy person. <laughs> How dare you! Some people are very comfortable, and sometimes you learn in a challenge that you have a. You're like, oh, I tried this thing and I really like it. But sometimes the 50k challenge is not the right place to try a new thing. Sometimes a five or a 10k story is a, is a good place to try a new skill. Which is why we didn't want to give you word count minimums um if you have another challenge something that these fit for and go hey i could have my my character you know have a main character be an oc and because often if we have two main characters one of them could be an oc for my next thing that i'm doing for this bang that's coming up this winter or whatever um and just kind of push your own boundaries a little bit or you're gonna write um, two white characters and you go, hey, I'm gonna cast this I put this person with this other person this uh, there's a, there's a black character in Canon I'm gonna put them with the black character instead. Um, just you know push your push your own boundaries a little bit and you're thinking about things.
0: When I think about these themes and things, uh, I would like to see as a reader one one thing I would really like I would like someone to write me specifically. I'm talking about me It's all about me specifically a giant ass. Ronin centric fic that begins the day he became a runner. I just want to see it. I'm talking three, four novels. Give it to me.
1: Just <laughs> so let her have the whole thing. she sometimes she she she's been in the mood for angst, apparently. Um, but you know, I will tell you, these things are seasonal. Okay, they are seasonal. But if you want to write a black lesbian trans woman um, OC. You
0: bring it. You we're, you will we're, have we're leveled up.
1: You will have satisfied all four four themes. Um, you know, I will give you a cookie. <laughs> you will achieve your, your final it. form. <laughs> well, apparently he was uh, quite a bit chattier. I would imagine. What's, wasn't he a poet? Or uh... he was
0: married, um, and he was a writer. Yeah, but I think just. Based on his physicality, uh, he probably—I I imagine that they were all in some fashion or another. Um, that they-, they probably had like mandatory military service. Well, we know exactly how he discovered he had to avoid settlements because he went to a settlement and it, and it got cold. That happened. We saw that in—we saw the ramifications of that in canon because there was an episode where they came across a village where he had been, and the wraith culled that village. A lot of the, pe- the people were cold because Ronan was there.
1: So, he probably um, had... Once he realized that kind of thing was happening, he probably had too much compassion to ever try to go near villages again. Yeah. The the angst is... I don't think
0: it was his fault. Nothing that happened... Nothing the Wraith did was Ronan's fault. He might feel guilt for it, but it's not a healthy perspective to take on the ramifications of a space predator's feeding schedule. And also... Ronan was really young when he was turned. He was like 19, 20. I mean, geez, maybe I don't want this. <laughs> maybe
1: you don't. But it would be, but you could do it. You could do a first episode of when he becomes a runner and then time skip. I mean, do you really want to read all of that angst? My answer is probably not. But the first episode that starts there to kind of get some background feel for him, because we know so little about what he was really like back then other than biographical data points. It, you know, and sometimes there are some characters that are so poorly developed that developing them is practically like developing an original character.
0: I want to see a *Caden* divergence where he recognizes early on um, what it means to be a runner. It I did it with Taylor in um, *In Iterum. She's uh, turned into a runner, um, but she's confined to her own planet uh, as punishment. And but the Wraith uses her back... as a training device device because every time she, they send Wraith in to hunt her for, for sport, she kills them.
1: <laughs> but Ronan came back too, right? Or did he not?
0: He did not, no. Oh, okay. But she does know Ronan because um, she was t- she was taken to Satita and Ronan was part of her security. So Ronan and Tier specifically, are looking for her in... The background of Iterum, Iterum, but they cannot go to Athos. Um, the implants that they um, have on won't let them. The gate rejects them. Um, and so they can't go to her and she can't leave. She does leave, of course, because they take the device out of her. But, and then she, uh, in part two, one of her main goals is to find Ronan and Tyr. Which I do have Zero drafted, uh,
1: obviously. I reread Iterim Iterum recently. I love that story.
0: I don't know why I don't have more time travel in Stargate.
1: (laughs) I don't either.
0: (laughs) It's so weird. I mean, time travel in Stargate is canon. (laughs) Why isn't there more of it? (laughs) You say that like he's not already a time traveler. (laughs) That's why he's so good at his job. (laughs) He's already done all this shit. Y'all guys need to lay off the gifts because it's giving me... um, I have a headache. And it's it's a visual quirk for me. Um, but uh, I do like the idea of exploring concepts that I wouldn't normally gravitate towards. And mostly it is because of that whole fandom issue. Being, you know, fandom being fandom.
1: Yeah, well, there's nothing quite like somebody telling me I shouldn't do something. That um, makes you want to kind of sometimes double down on it.
0: That's how 200K a spite fit gets written. I speak from experience.
1: Although, somebody told me just yesterday that one of my 64 or 68K novels is poorly fleshed out and that it's a short story. Like, she says, What are y'all allergic? Y'all on these kinds of sites are allergic to some kind, are allergic to long stories or something. Like, it's 64K. What the fuck is the matter with you? And apparently, it's poorly fleshed out.
0: But we know what that is. It's greed, number one. Number two, this is a person who does does not understand the novel structure and has no interest in learning the novel structure. And three, this is someone who thinks that a 500K novel is reasonable when it's not in any stretch of the imagination.
1: 64 or 60, I can't remember which it is. It's it's a novel in any publisher's book, right? So, also, that story in particular, of all the works of mine to accuse me of having poorly fleshed out. The, to say that Unobstructed Views, which is my longest Teen Wolf fic, is poorly fleshed out, come on.
0: Well, it's just greed. Because they want more. More, yeah. more, more. I they mean... want to
1: know what happens next. And not knowing what happens next is not the same thing as, um, you know. It's just a, it's just a cliffhanger argument. It's not a cliffhanger just because you don't know what happens next. But there are cliffhangers out there. I mean, the way that Criminal Minds spinoff ended. That was a cliffhanger. And the whole fucking series ended on it. That fucking gunshot and we don't know who died. Ever. Still. Years later. I'm still bitter.
0: They could have brought it up on an episode of Criminal Minds. I'm just saying. They could have mentioned it.
1: They They could have let us know. They could have closed the loop.
0: Um, uh, Writer to writer. Those of you out there who are writers who are listening. Do not take the opinions of readers like this seriously when it comes to the structure of Of your work because they cannot be trusted they do not have the knowledge or the skills to tell you whether or not your novel is fleshed out because they want 500k of story and they don't care if it meanders through the fucking woods for 200k because they want more 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 they'd rather have 500,000 500, words of mediocre than 50K of amazing. So you can't trust any of these assholes with your craft. And that's no. why readers aren't allowed to give me concrete. Because I don't know where they come from. I don't know what they know.
1: I would want a CV. And not just right? that. But a, I would want to you know, do a personality compatibility interview. Before I would let them you know <laughs> critique me. It's like, yeah, you've got the credentials. <laughs> but I think you're an ass. I think
0: i will to need to see your resume. And here's a Myers-Briggs inventory,
1: <laughs> right? <coughs> um, ISTJ. You, um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you, ISTJ people. I love you guys. You're just the exact opposite of me. Um, <laughs> actually, that's not true. you have to be an ISFJ to be the opposite of me.
0: Oh yeah, Doc, you're right. Most often, or not, if you're hitting 200k, there's probably already functionally two to three novels there sitting there yeah
1: i have i have 212k on one story and i am the first person to admit there's three novels there so um but we have talked about this before i don't want to waste my time i mean some days i think i might want to waste my time and re-edit that but then i usually come to my senses before i actually waste a lot of time doing it because you know kira then pointed out one day why don't you just write fanfic of your fanfic and have tony getting you know but then i thought i might have bucket eddie in the whole emergence first you know Because why not? Because
0: why not? It's your shit. Do what you want with it.
1: I can do what I want. Um, But yeah, it's just, you know. I don't think I've ever written a novel in my life that was poorly fleshed out. Not even that weird amnesia story I wrote when I was 12.
0: Right? (laughs) I'm sure that shit was detailed as fuck, Jillian. Um, Little Jillian did a great job.
1: I was pedantic as fuck. I was pedantic as fuck, actually, (laughs) when I was I had detail for days. I would have made Tolkien proud. <laughs>
0: got gonna get paid by the word.
1: I was going to describe that intersection where that car accident happened in the in detail. I mean, you were going to know how many lanes across every intersection was, because <laughs> that's what mattered—not <laughs> the fact she got hit by a car, but you know, I,
0: but. That's why you really literally can't take readers seriously in fandom when it comes to this kind of feedback because they are greedy and unreasonable and often just completely ignorant of the writing process they have no concept of character development uh plot structure world building they're just did you ever play hungry hippos
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the average
0: fandom reader is a plastic hungry hippo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you push their little lever every time you publish something and they gobble up whatever you give them. And that is their only purpose. An empty plastic hungry hippo. <laughs>
1: I'm going to get so many emails. <laughs> you are. You are going to get so much hate. But it's true. I've got, and now I'm going to have that image in my mind when somebody gets, you know, I, when I'm starting to deal with somebody who's entitled, I'm going to be like, oh, are you the purple hungry hippo? <laughs> Probably. I'm gonna w Blue Hippo. Um I actually would consider developing um a named character who has no provided you have never developed them before. So like Kira using Ragnock as an O. C. kinda wouldn't count since she's, you know, developed the fuck been out there, of them. She been there, she, knows ex- she knows exactly <laughs> who it is. But if it's a character that's just named, um like, for you, if, if you have never named, if you've never written Ragnarok as a main character before, I would consider that writing an OC because you have to, you have to do as much work for that as you do. But you can do that. There's a, And when it comes to Harry Potter, the list of characters that you could treat like a, OCs if you've never written them before is, like, longer than the characters you can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> because there are so many characters that are named that are not developed. Yes, Blaze. Yes, thank you. Um, Blaze, Blaze
0: and De- the, the, the beanie, the character that everybody thought was a girl until they got cast in the movie.
1: Right? Um, There's Dean a lot Thomas. of old Harry
0: Potter work where Blaze is a girl.
1: I would say we have t- a little too much development on Seamus Finnegan to to use Seamus, but uh, I think Dean Thomas is a blank slate. Faye, Faye, um, what's, his, what's her face? Faye Dunbar. Dunbar, she's, she's pretty blank, um, which sounds rude, but you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, so if you take a character, but like I said, it has to be, can't be a character that you've worked up because it's sort of, it's sort of, I mean, you can, I'm not gonna, I don't, I'm not, you, you are your own police on this kind of thing. You know, this is about pushing yourself, which is why for the alternative spring challenge, if you're very comfortable writing a bisexual character, writing a bisexual character again is not pushing yourself to outside your comfort zone. Um,
0: I will say when I was writing, um, I I wrote a Sentinel fic for um the Big Moxie Quarter Two, uh, it's fifty something k because of of course it is, um, and uh, Eddie is demisexual, um, and he is come online as a Sentinel and he's going into the Sentinel process the finding a guide process and his sexuality is a stumbling block because some of the guys that he's meeting expect. The bonding process would be the easiest with sexual contact, and he's not on board with that. And he's really upfront about it. And one guy gets really bent and says that they could not bond with somebody with the potential that they will that they won't find them ever sexually attractive. And it's like have your truth, but you know accept it, right? This is this, this, these are the circumstances that he's coming into this this with. He wants. A relationship with his guide, he wants to fall in love. He's he's not opposed to it. He wants to develop that emotional intimacy. He needs to have an enjoyable sexual experience, but he just can't make it happen. It can't be forced. And of course, then he meets Buck, and uh, and Buck's like, you know,
1: okay, you, that,
0: that's fine. We'll work with it. And it's called Love Comes Around. And um, right? Yeah, yeah. Love Love Comes Around. And Buck is a guide, and his sister is um, the Alpha Guide of the Pacific West. And her sentinel is Lou Ranzone. Um, and is that how you say his last name? Ranzone? Yep. yep. Okay. And uh, Lou took Buck from their parents when Buck was 12 years old and uh, brought him and Maddie and Daniel to Los Angeles and told Margaret and Philip to never speak to them again. Um, and being an Alpha Sentinel, he was able to back that up. So, Buck is softer, and he's not greedy, you know, he's not needy or desperate for affection. When, when Eddie meets him, he's very confident in his, um, um, his abilities as a guide. And, um... He and he's has this, very uh, good with
1: kids. He's very good with kids, yeah.
0: which is He has a pack of children that um, from the Pride. He likes to take places. And he has a campaign against Dave and Busters. Um, so... Uh, and, of course, Eddie falls in love. Because I'm a romance writer. That's what's going to happen.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, of course. But, but you clearly were writing demisexual. Um,
0: but, Eddie, but Eddie struggles with what he wants and what he needs. And there comes this moment where he stops teetering on the edge of being in love with Buck. And just, just falls completely over. Into it. Um, yeah. It's and he doesn't moment. even know what to do with himself. And that's, you know exploring that was really interesting but also um it it was a little nerve-wracking for me because i didn't want to get it wrong and i didn't want it to be cheap or you know what i mean and so it was like
1: i mean there was definitely that moment where um eddie was very aware that he thought buck was attractive but like the sexual feeling wasn't there you know, so it was like, that's an attractive man. It was a little bit like external to himself because he hadn't connected with Buck emotionally yet on a romantic level. Mm-hmm. Even though they had become friends and he really relied on his guy and they were connecting and that, you could see that connection deepening. It wasn't this innocent thing. Um, and then they had that moment. It was like instant where it was like, because I think that does happen with, with love is that there is this moment sometimes where you realize that, oh. Holy um, shit,
0: I love this person, damn it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So, (laughs) so somebody in the chat asked about poly would poly work for alternative spring um yeah i think so uh here's the thing about poly if some people um poly is uh just what they're comfortable with it's what they want they need to be in a relationship with more than one person and that is a very different sexuality expression than the typical monogamous one-on-one relationship that's a little bit different vibe than just we stumbled into a poly relationship and would manage to work out but um but either could work because they're very different it's pushing yourself as a writer to explore a different relationship dynamic a different character dynamic but there are people out there who just seek out poly relationships because they know that's what they need to function well is more than one person and society is so judgmental
0: my husband said Maybe I need I need another wife. I said, you know what? Maybe you do. Can I help pick her out? So and about twenty the... years ago, I'd have been like, motherfucker, what? Right. But I've matured since then, right? And I'm like, does she cook? <laughs> How cute is she?
1: How do you know that we don't need a husband?
0: <laughs> well, that to be the conversation of wait is 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 he going to change the oil and mow the grass? <laughs>
1: We all like, have me. our things,
0: right? That we don't want to do. <laughs> wow, yeah, AJ, dark... I, but I just don't know what to do with myself in that moment. I don't either. But I'm on board because what Michael was like. What, dude? <laughs> I am, I am here for it. I want a link when you write
1: it. <laughs> wow. Okay, go forth. I approve i am jillian and i approve this message (laughs) um dark posted posted a quote from i assume a site says some polyamorous polyamorous people consider poly to be a relationship orientation sometimes uses an umbrella term for all forms of ethical consensual and loving non-monogamy um now some people poly can be an umbrella term for non-monogamous relationships, but some people, a lot of people I know in poly relationships, they do confine their sexual activity to within within the poly I don't dynamic. know if
0: you've ever been accused of this, AJ, but you're cock-tease.
1: Right? <laughs> po- oh, ace, ace you a cock Right? Ace poly, ace, ace.
0: You can add it to your list.
1: Sadri says <laughs> ace poly happens. Ace everything happens. Ace, ace hetero relationships, ace. Slash ace Femme slash it all happens Ace couples Here's the thing. have relationships I Here's know that's thing. a shock To some people out there But <laughs> it's the truth
0: Every, ace. I mean people who have had se- People who've had sex Have had sex that they really didn't want But didn't care I consider myself 95% heterosexual With a 5% ruby rose tax <laughs>
1: Well, that start myself. is a Katie Lang tax, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. I've i well, I can still I can still go there. Um, ten percent. Five percent for Ruby and ten percent five percent for Katie Lang because um but I have actually had sex where I really didn't care. It was like okay, you wanna Yeah, we can, go ahead. And I can probably I can imagine that there have been ace people who were married to somebody, they'd be like, Yeah, okay, well, fine, we can fuck, it's fine. Just
1: well, I mean, I've known people who came out as ace like 10 years into their marriage. Um, which honestly, I think it's it's a, a sad, unfortunate aspect of our culture that people uh, struggle to figure that out. That this is not what they want at all. Now, the one woman I know uh, who I spoke to most recently who went through this, her husband was very understanding. He did not want to like get a divorce or anything Um and they just stopped. The, you know, they they removed sex from their relationship and just kept it to physical f- affection. And phys- they're still physically intimate, and very close. But uh, she made it very clear that she has never enjoyed sex and she doesn't want to ever try to do that to herself again. But I just found that to me it was just very sad, the idea that you know, you know, ten or twelve. But years there are into a marriage.
0: There are some people who equate asexuality with the inability to have sex the inability to have sexual arousal and that's just not
1: true no 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 i am not familiar with the term transmac that's new but, oh, trans okay. oh
0: okay oh gotcha. okay
1: i wasn't getting Thank there you. i wasn't either i was like what
0: sexuality is a spectrum and i think that as you move through life you it is entirely possible and likely that you're moving on that spectrum back and forth as you grow and change and have experiences and you're exposed to people and ideas that um, you were unaware of. Uh, and I honestly think that a lot of people struggle with sexual identity into their 20s and 30s because they're not getting a proper sexual sex education. And they don't know what is out there. They don't have a term that fits how they feel. They don't know what to do with it.
1: Yeah. And everybody uh, has a different experience of of sex, whether they have sex or whether they don't. Um, so there are people in the chat who talked about, you know, that they aren't interested in sex in real life. They don't like to watch it, but they like to read it. Um, there We have ace people in our writer community who write banging sex. No pun. In, well, maybe pun intended. Um,
0: <laughs> she totally meant the fuck out of that pun. <laughs>
1: but you know so so people tend to try to pigeonhole people who are ace into a little a little oh why are you talking about sex you're ace what what is that you know they might be interested in sex at a at a cerebral level they might even m- masturbate or whatever they might be interested in sex with their own body they just might not want somebody else's hands on it their body
0: um I have a little cousin. She is, uh, she's the the daughter of. Okay, like she's still helping my. She's my first cousin because of the way that first cousins work. But she's my second generation first cousin, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I grew up with her mother. Um, and she called me, and she says, "I need you to explain to my mom." that I have a girlfriend I said you're eight years old you're too young for a girlfriend she said just explain to my mom how it's okay that I have a girlfriend I said okay put her on the phone I said it is perfectly okay that she has a girlfriend she says I know I told her it was okay I don't know why she called you
1: because I am the cool cousin what are you talking about I said, what is this? And she said, well, what happened is that she came home and told me she had a girlfriend. And I
0: asked her about her boyfriend, which she had the day before. And she said she'd moved on. And I, I didn't understand, so I was asking. And suddenly, she demanded my cell phone call and called me. <laughs> so, she has a girlfriend. There you go. And she's eight. And uh, she she said, and I quote, Mama, it doesn't matter if I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. All we do is hold hands. (laughs) So their personal private parts don't matter. (laughs) And she has this really thick southern accent. Take my accent times three.
1: Our personal private parts don't matter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because we're just holding hands. Which is true. But.
1: We have a fair number of ace people people in our community, but we have a fair number of ace people in the chat tonight. (laughs) Um, And every one of them has a different experience of sex and a different appreciation for sex and a different um, experience of how their sexuality works. And for somebody to try to pigeonhole what real ace is to somebody who is ace is next level bullshit. It's like somebody trying to explain like somebody tried to tell me I wasn't a lesbian I'll tell you why I identify as a lesbian I actually have a real problem with bisexual erasure so you would think because I have a problem with bisexual erasure that I would identify as bisexual because I don't mind having sex with men sometimes I enjoy it um I don't have relationships with men I do not connect emotionally with men I've never had a successful relationship with men ever
0: so she's an emotional lesbian
1: I am a total I'm total emotional lesbian (laughs)
0: Um fair.
1: (laughs) What I do with my personal relate to. to. (laughs) But and sometimes, you know, because of because of life circumstances, medication, hormones, whatever, what was going on with my personal private parts was a little bit closer to lesbian asexual, you know? Because there was no interest in sex for years because of hormone issues. What did that what is that, right? So I um the gay community and the straight community honestly do like to erase bisexuality and I have a real problem with it so I will fight bisexual erasure and so at a at a level of how my clit works (laughs) I would say that I'm bisexual but emotionally I'm not I'm a I'm a, I'm a I'm a lesbian yeah there you go dark says I'm bisexual but not biromantic and I'm not and so because when people want one label I would say I'm a lesbian because that's if I have a life partner in life, it's going to be a, a, another lesbian. And unless my life partner is non-binary, in which case, you know, then, I, then I'd probably just... Yeah, aren't you still their... a lesbian? Um, no, because I think if I, were to, if I were to call myself a lesbian in the face of my partner saying they were non-binary, I, I would feel, I would personally feel a little like I was invalidating their gender choice. I don't know. It's complicated in my head. So I probably would go back to calling myself bisexual. <laughs> which sounds weird
0: but pan eh, yeah i guess i have, if they're not a, binary it be pan
1: right yeah but i i'm of the i am of the um i am old enough to have not made the distinction between bisexual and pan i mean pan is under the bisexual mm. umbrella and to me bisexual just means my gender and other genders not man and woman mm. um so, it, it's all just, you know, sexuality is very much your individual point of view. But yeah, I had somebody after a podcast challenge me about because I was talking about having sex with a man, and, and I've also been clear, open about being a lesbian. And they said, are you really a lesbian? I got a, I got a contact form. Are you really a lesbian if you have sex with men? I'm a lesbian if the woman I'm going down on thinks so. <laughs> just kidding. Honestly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's rude That's as fuck is business. what it is. It is nobody's business. It is. But the only reason I bring it up is because I do have an issue about bi... And it is also bi and pansexual erasure. It's the same thing. There's a lot of things under the bisexual umbrella. And pan is one of them. Um, some people go, oh, well, people call themselves a lot of things. that basically mean I will have... I'm not attracted to a particular gender. And that all falls under the bisexual umbrella. Well, both sides of the binary like to erase the middle. And so if you wind up, if you're bisexual and you wind up with, uh, and you're a woman and you wind up with a woman, some people go, well, you were always a lesbian. Or if you wind up with a man, people go, oh, I knew you were always straight. And it is a thing. And it's an annoying thing. Yes. Bisexual lesbians are a thing. Um, I do think in terms of, if you were to use multiple terms, um, I do like what Dark said. Was it was. What did you say, Dark?
0: Biromant. That you're not. That you're Bi- mono-romantic.
1: Yeah. Bisexual, something. But yeah, that'd be me. Um, but the reason I identify more as a lesbian because usually when people are asking you at this stage in my life about sexual orientation. They're actually talking about. They're
0: asking my, you my, who you're my fucking rela- right.
1: Well, no, they're asking my relationship orientation at this stage of my life. I'm not out in dungeons every um weekend anymore people are asking me about going out on a date people are dating for relationships when you're 50 right they're not typically dating to fuck so if i was going to a bar i might say something different it's just it's a weird thing in my own head and honestly your sexuality only has to live in your own head so when i'm talking about somebody when i want to talk about dating somebody i identify as a lesbian when i'm talking about fucking somebody okay i'm bisexual because I don't really care. But I, I am not going to have a relationship. I just, I've never succeeded in having a relationship with a man. I just never have.
0: I did some. I'm going to get emails about it. I might as well own it.
1: The hippie. The hippo. <laughs> Hover over it. <laughs> Greedy reader. <laughs> I like that. Um. It isn't too simplistic if it works for you to say you fall in love with a person, not their sexuality. Is that too simplistic? It's not simplistic if that's what works for you. Some people are more hardwired than that. Not everybody is in that fluid space of where they just can fall in love with. Some people, I mean, some people realistically float closer to the binary, and that's okay. But without societal expectations weighing down on us, right and forming our opinions from early childhood um i think sociologists think that about 80 percent of the population would be some expression of bi- bisexual and that the the binary that would exist. Kind of explain
0: situational homosexuality right
1: right and the vice bis- and the the binary would only exist in about 10 percent on either end and that's kind of an estimate um Cause they don't know because nobody exists in that society where societal pressure isn't shaping us from, you know, infancy.
0: Even if you're rejecting that societal pressure, you were being shaped by it.
1: Right. But it is an, it's just an estimate based upon if they can get people to admit attraction, even if it's attraction they've never acted on, they estimate that it's about 80% would be some form of bisexual. In which case, yes, um, it is more the person than the parts but that's still i think it's um but it also but that could then start to reject people who are closer to the bite who are more hardwired and there's nothing wrong with that you know there's nothing wrong with if if you've got a hardwired sexuality because what if your hardwired sexuality for you it happens to be heavily masculine features okay i'm just i'm just throwing something out there for you it's something very heavily masculine for somebody else, it could be something very specific that is a masculine trait, like um, a hairy chest. Mm, I do like well, that. Well, maybe maybe somebody's, you know, sexuality, like a hairy chest, is what gets them on. It really gets them going. And so from a sexuality perspective, they are hardwired to a hairy chest for whatever reason. Are they, I mean, where, what is that? But you're not going to find a lot of hairy chests with women. So that kind of implies they're hardwired um, towards... If it's a woman, hardwired towards being heterosexual. And some people are very narrowly wired, like very narrowly, about what they're attracted to. I know one lady, it was hands. If somebody didn't have the right hands, she couldn't have sex with them. I was like, well, how do you evaluate the right hands? Now for her, it wasn't about gender at all, there was nothing about gender, it was just the person who had to have the right hands. I was like, that's actually kind of creepy because it's like every time she's looking at people's hands when they're talking and stuff, it's like it's like somebody looking at somebody's tits. <laughs> it's like, I wish I didn't know this. Quit looking at my hands. I'm going to set at my hands from now on. <laughs> <That define me. laughs> I'm wearing gloves from now on. <laughs> my knuckles feel your interest. Stop it.
0: <laughs> I think that um, that honestly speaks to a fetish.
1: It, it does start to speak to a fetish, but when is something kind of like hardwired sexuality and when is something a fetish? And it's hard to... It's, I mean, honestly, it's really hard to pick some of that stuff apart. But oh, there Lennox, go like, oh, the uh,
0: There is a fine... I'm, I'm right. There's a fine... For me, there's a fine line between what turns me on and what gets me off. Uh, because they're not always mutually... They're not always the same.
1: <laughs> well, true.
0: <laughs> so it's, you know that journey of characterization that this is um is and it's really it's it is about the character across the world all the themes um exploring uh character circumstances uh for yourself and figuring out you know uh how they move in the world and what they're working with and what they're working against and who they want and what they want if they want anyone at all um that's a really interesting journey.
1: Yeah. And you know, I mean, somebody's inevitably going to ask me, can you write a character who's like hypersexualized in the canon as Ace or whatever? And the answer is, of course, it's up to you. I'm actually considering writing Buck as Ace, because I've written Eddie as Demi a few times. Um, and I think it'd be an interesting exploration of Buck as a character if his sexuality was all about trying to achieve physical intimacy and not about sex at all. Um, It would be interesting for me to explore that um, in the character, uh, for myself to explore that, something I haven't written before, but also because I don't like writing super high angst (laughs) to try to write that in a way that was more about a journey of self-discovery and acceptance and not like, you know, tragedy. So, I, cuz I wouldn't want him to to find coming out to be a whole tragic circumstance. I would want him to find it to be a joyful discovery of self.
0: I read a fic a long time ago in the Stargate fandom where John woke up straight and was horrified. And this alien, this guy on another planet, used an ancient device to fix him.
1: They fixed him and made him straight. Yes, did that being mean his... gay
0: was a crime on their planet? Did that did um, that mean his
1: prostate wasn't fun times anymore?
0: He was horrified. And so he goes back and... I think that he, they... he Obviously he gets fixed back the way he wants to be. Um But I think he might also take the device away from them. Or break it.
1: As he should. Because they shouldn't just be allowed to run out and fix people. That's gross.
0: <laughs> I don't think I read part two of that. I don't know how I feel about that, actually. I... But it was what I en- enjoyed about that first fic. Um... I think it is a series, right? Hale was him waking up and recognizing this fundamental truth about himself had been destroyed, and his journey through that. It was just like it was very good. I read it years ago, so I couldn't tell you the warnings. Um, it's called Straight as a Circle by Too Much Plore. I think you get the impression in in canon <coughs> that John Shepard is precariously close to asexual. Probably at least on that spectrum, because he doesn't really, um, pursue he's Rodney-sexual. Yeah, that's how I ride him, but, um, it's interesting and and worth exploring.
1: Well, I mean, if he's Rodney-sexual, then I think you've definitely at least hit on demisexual for John.
0: Right? That must be a really interesting experience for someone who is demisexual and doesn't know it, because... Maybe they keep trying to have these relationships over and over and over again. And they keep falling apart. And one day they fall in love and everything just kind of snaps into place. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. Wow, I I, I get, okay. That would be so weird. I think they would assume something was wrong with them. Especially, like I said, if, if they don't have the education regarding sexuality and sex uh, early, like, In a in a place mentally fundamentally where it would be really really helpful, so they don't like you know stumble through their life really super confused about who and what they are.
1: Well, I wonder how many finding that out. Well, I wonder how many people who are demisexual either just assume that they're heterosexual um, or gay or whatever based upon their first love, um, and then struggle with what happens after that. Or mm-hmm. somehow make the leap into thinking they're, they're asexual early in life and then get like a shocking discovery later that that isn't the case. Because, I mean, that would be, it, that would be uh, also a, a moment in somebody's life if, let's say, you made it to your mid-30s or whatever and you think you're ace. and you and, Well, you are. You're on the ace spectrum. But you thought there was like nothing sexual going on for you. And all of a sudden you've got sexual feelings for your best friend. And you're like, um, well, this is, what is going on in my pants right now? (laughs) You know, I mean, having that sexual interest in another person for the first time would be... Gay for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that could be a lot of where that trope came from.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree.
1: Um... Yeah, the funny thing about people who are demisexual, who people tell them they're confusing sex and love, is they actually explicitly are not confusing them. They just don't want one without the other. Right. So, you know, there's 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 a, like a lack of confusion. The problem actually comes in. I actually think a lot of times we're heterosexual people who start having a sexual relationship and think that there's emotions attached that aren't. That's confusing sex. They're and love, more likely honestly. to
0: confuse, yeah i agree
1: yeah i I, I think demisexual have a little bit more emotional iq than that so that's just my opinion don't anybody send me nasty emails about your particular flavor of demisexuality and how i got it wrong
0: (laughs) i honestly think that probably that all of us have a unique sexuality that none of us are exactly the same so there are millions upon millions of sexualities on this planet because we are all snowflakes how we could be the same
1: all Right. i actually thought about creating a channel um on crossroads called we're all snowflakes or something like that um specifically because to talk about sexuality because we are all so different and also because there are a lot of people who come into their understanding about sexuality later in life and they want some support around it um and they don't realize that they can get that support. Pretty. There have been a couple people on Crossroads who have been pretty shocked um, at, the, at the ease at which they could get support around sexuality issues. Um, and certainly will support your sex issues, too. Sexual health issues, yeah. it's just having sex, proper lube, good sex toys. You know, there's somebody Finding in our community.
0: perfect sex toy? Because that's there's somebody the in- journey.
1: I don't remember who, even if I did remember who, I wouldn't tell y'all who it is. But there is somebody who tests sex toys for a living.
0: You know. mm. Why isn't this my job? <laughs> it's a hobby.
1: <laughs> but that, is jo- <laughs> that is their job. That is their job. Because It came up one day, they were discussing it about, um, you know, it's one of those things you she's not sure what to do with all the toys she's tested, right? Because she can't exactly recycle them. Right. And, it, and It's not exactly something you can just put on a Craigslist. I test sex toys for a living. I've got like several boxes full of sex toys that I don't need anymore because I get new ones every month. Who wants them? Weird. Although, honestly, if you cl- if you clean them well, I mean, some people are going to be like, yeah, whatever, man, I'll take them. People take anything. <coughs> but it's still, it's just like, there was this whole question of like, can I recycle these? No, probably not. There's no way to, as far as I know, there's no way to recycle a silicon dildo or vibrate or whatever. No. Right, dark. I would too if I had a job. You know, a job testing sex toys. Although depending on how many sex toys I had to test, there might come a point where I'm not interested in the in the big O. It'd be more like let's let's check out its functionality and d- do all the features work and how does it feel. But I'm just not gonna try to get off on this one because I'm still tired the from that.
0: Th- ha- i still. How's it washing? Banging I'm on the table. Tired.
1: I'm still tired of that thing I rode last night. So no, thank you. <laughs>
0: That is a very good idea, Dark.
1: <laughs> That's yeah. If if I ever remember who this is, I will send them that suggestion and find them a swingers group. And but you know th- there are there is a wealth of of experience and knowledge. That people are willing to share. People are open minded and they're willing to help uh, if you have questions. So I expect we're we're you know we're about to start. You know we're kicking this off in time to start alternative spring. So start thinking outside of the binary, which that's why we're kind of focusing a little bit more on this. Um, Start thinking outside of the binary and what that means, what would, what would, what would push you a little bit. um, And, um, and, and go forth. You know, there are things, I've contemplated some things I thought I would probably never be willing to write, but honestly, not because I'm not interested in it. And not because I don't think that these types of characters deserve better uh, representation in fandom but just because I didn't want to deal with the potential abuse but if I decide to write an ace character and someone comes as abuses me for how I choose chose to write a character I'll just you know I figure I'll just come and get my delete. ace peeps and either delete or get my ace peeps and set them loose in my comment section so
0: <laughs> it is beyond weird for anyone to expect a writer to write their exact experience number one they don't know your experience and two, if they did and they did write it, it'd be, it would be ethically shady as fuck. There was actually a writer whose name I have long forgotten who was trolling gay relationship forums for plot works on their male-male romance writers. They were using the actual experiences of gay men to write male-male ro- romance in fiction and selling it. And they were doing that by trolling... Um, forums and reddits and stuff
1: and wasn't she catfishing as well pretending to be a gay man
0: i think so i think so, no. I think so. Um, yes 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 she was catfishing and pretending to be a gay man Yeah,
1: it was and even said scandal. on
0: facebook that that she was in her mind a gay man
1: yeah and there was uh she was married as i recall um mm-hmm. Because what it was, I think that it was her her husband who tried to say, okay, actually, I'm a bisexual man who's married to a woman. They tried to cover it up that way. But then I think it came out, and it made, I think this is what happened, that it was actually the woman doing all the writing. That the writer was actually the woman, but the front man was, was the husband.
0: And were not they who, catfishing, like, young gay men?
1: Yeah, into, into like, conversations. Or, like, into it yeah, was, it was and getting... Ugly. And getting their sexual experiences and stuff, and private conversations, and then using them books. Yeah,
0: you don't want somebody writing your actual experiences, right? You so, want i to mean, be I able s- to identify with characters in a superficial way when it comes to their activities in a story. You just it,
1: you it don't is, want to go that um, deep. You just think you do. It is. Um, I've read stories where, like, you could almost tell that the readers were in tears with how seen they felt by the way the writer wrote the character who was either demisexual or ace or something along those lines. At one time it was a, I think a non-binary character and people's like, I felt like somebody had seen me and this was, you know, and there's just like these, all these comments. And then there always was some asshole going, you know, this, there's, there's no demisexual people like this. There's no ace care people like this. What does the matter with you? You got this all completely wrong. There always is going to be that asshole. Um, and I just, I didn't want to expose myself to that at that time. Um, I'm still not sure I want to expose myself to that, but I'm willing to push myself. So that's kind of part of my own journey here is to find things to kind of push myself. And
0: I get a lot of flack about not approving negative comments. And I don't care what people say the, the negative things that they say. I don't care what the words they're using are because it isn't about their words, it isn't about their so-called constructive criticism or their um, their complaints about what I'm not writing or what I am writing. Um but honestly lady years from years later, I still wonder to myself, why the fuck did you click on a noble AU Harry Potter story if you didn't want to read noble Harry asking for a friend. And also for myself, cuz I'm still I don't, I don't get it. But um it's not the words, it's the behavior
1: right. And why wasn't there bitch on the first chapter? Why was there bitch at the end of 150 K? right it's Like you read so you read the whole thing so you could bitch at the last chapter. So somebody said this is why they're terrified to post fanfiction. So I think you got a few options. We have one person um, who did not want to deal with any kind of negativity about their writing. So they put their writing up on a WordPress site. They told people who wanted to know about it, about it. They turned off all commenting and didn't offer any kind of contact form. There is no way to give that author feedback about that story if you don't know who the author is. None. So people and I've seen people share the link and wreck the link and um, wreck the story. There is no way to give that author feedback about that story because they did not want to get any negativity. And that's the way they chose to handle it is to get no feedback at all really respect that line in the sand. Here's my work. Take it or leave it. If you don't like it, fuck you. There's no way to tell me you don't like it. (laughs) Um, Another option is to get an account on a site like The Wild Hair Project that is completely moderated and you will never see a negative comment. Another option is to get a WordPress, disable comments, but have a contact form, have the emails from the contact form go to somebody you trust to moderate your comments for you and only send you the ones that are good and delete the rest. Or save the abusive ones in case you need them for some reason. But you have to be diligent about policing your own boundaries and not go and look, because your your comment form will get archived on your site unless you purge it periodically. So you just can't go look at that. So there are some ways to insulate yourself from these abusive commenters. You don't have to put up with this crap.
0: But that is only if yeah, you want to post. Your project is open. You don't have to, to post. Yeah.
1: you don't have to post anything, um, anywhere mm-hmm. ever. Um,
0: I have millions upon millions of words that are written that will never see the light of day.
1: Yeah, you could also post on what is what I would call like a private WordPress, where you only share it with people you want to read it or who you want to have access to it, and give them like a password. This is a password protected site. Here you go. Here's the password for you. Please don't share it.
0: That used to be actually kind of the rule of thumb in fandom. You would, like, there would be a website, and if you wanted access to it, you get to find a password or be given a password. The password would change periodically. Um, it was like some secret society shit. And I loved
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, also the way LiveJournal worked for a while. Like, if you want to get on somebody's individual LiveJournal where their stories were posted, you'd have to go to their, you know, open com- their open page and say that, you know, you wanted to be their friend or whatever, and that you agreed not to be a dick on their page, and then they would friend you back so you could have access to their stories. But, you mean, you didn't get a password, but you still had to make an overt statement of non-assholery, and then they would prevent people who weren't logged in from commenting. So, you know, I mean, people used to, to, to curate their experience a lot more than they do now, for the most part, and nobody thought twice about it. Nobody thought twice about people preventing assholes from getting access to their work but they sure think a lot about it now and they have a lot of opinions about it now but you would do you boo you can do whatever you want and there are there... i'm at
0: the commenter yesterday as a matter of fact um in the midst of them reading so when they went to comment again to bitch again um my site the comment disappears normally if you post on my comment it'll say you're you're comment is in moderation but if you're on my blacklist it just disappears and you're not told you're in moderation so she sent me an email and told me that my um, comment form was broken and i said no it's not you aren't welcome to put feedback on my site ever again and so she responded and told me i was a bitch and i'm like tell me something i don't know what i don't care
1: you're like yeah i know my husband took my cookie fuck off <laughs>
0: right i'm queen bitch of the universe fuck you
1: that's actually her name on um, the mod servers, is Quibotu.
0: <laughs> I was feeling salty one day.
1: <laughs> she was. But these challenges, I mean, some of them, people are going to be very comfortable in these spaces um, and definitely continue to write in that space because we need... All these are underrepresented in fandom. And potentially even in original works. I know... Um, female female is underrepresented in original works hugely uh it it doesn't sell
0: well there's a reason behind that um male male is written mostly by women and it's written mostly for women Mm -hmm. fem slash um is normally written not for romance or for erotica but for porn in the industry in the professional industry um it is written for men and the industry has never cultivated a lesbian market they have never pushed and the thing is is that the male male market came from readers and writers pushing probably honestly it got its backbone in fandom then moved into original work um, but that market barely exists in professional works there's no one driving it there's no there's the, there's no there's no money to be made in it because the stuff that does get written is written by men for men it's porn
1: yeah the non-porn stuff i mean i was told there's basically no market for it now another on a publishing board i was told oh this one publisher has a great market for female female and by great market they meant you know each copy of the book a really successful book will sell 100 copies i'm like okay um and there are some books that only ever... I mean, there are quite, you know, quite a lot of books that out there these days that do only sell 100 copies or less. Um, right. It, it happens. But that does not mean it's a great market if your most successful books are selling 100 copies. It's actually a terrible market. <laughs> I mean, so- like,
0: when it comes to... Yeah, when it comes to queer fiction, um, the predominant uh, subgenre is gay. Male, male. Um, everything else, including, like, a... Uh, Transgender works, uh, lesbian works, uh, it, across the board, all of it. it is like, maybe that's 5% of the market and the rest is male, male.
1: There's no driving force behind it. So, um, you know, this is kind of a, you know, stretch your own limits, stretch your own comfort zones a little bit. That's part of being a writer is, is pushing your, pushing your boundaries. And maybe there's a boundary you weren't willing to push a year ago that you are willing to push now. Um, <coughs> well men don't mind reading female female porn and there's a little bit of a difference in the way porn is written versus a romance or erotica it's a li- just a little bit difference in well if the difference between porn and erotica there is a there's a line um, and certainly the line is quite dip- huge between romance and porn Um but there's a lot of stuff in the stuff that's written for men that is ridiculous. The female female stuff, because um, even you probably men see a lot like, of
0: that on Twitter,
1: right? You see the the female female stuff you see, see written for men for the men who do like to read their porn because know yeah, that exists. There are men who like to read both male male, female female, and male female. Um, it's um, at, like lesbians drink and laugh at it. It's so bad. It's like, that's not the way any of that works. (laughs) (laughs) I have never climbed into bed with another woman with a pair of six-inch stiletto heels. That has just never happened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Look, you don't climb into bed with your shoes on. That's gross. Right? Yeah, my boobs are never sad. They're just... Right before my period, they get a little firmer. But that's just hormones. Just saying. They're not happy or sad. They're just tits.
1: So I have a few plans for Sapphic Summer. I've been looking mm-hmm. forward to that since Sadrian and I talked. I want to write, um, the next, I, th- I want to write the next, um, I want to write a continuation of my rule 63 to fic where he and Cassie eight it or she and Cassie eight squatted date. Um, and then I, I think I finally got the entire series arc for the horseman plotted. And, uh, Uh, I would need to expand episode one in order to get my plan in in order. But there would be an episode dedicated to Laura Cadman and Antonia Shepherd, So that would be um, a possibility as well. That would be a possibility as well. But that is quite a bit, because I have to get that first episode fixed so that I could, you know, have a little sentinel bonding time. Um, And I'm trying to think, does that coincide with our sentinel challenge sapphic summer um, ends in september uh when is sentinel mm, no sentinel's q3 sentinel's q3 right q2 sentinel's q2 the,
0: yeah Fusions flash the sentinel um june 15th to june 30th so
1: okay so no that's spring so that'll be spring that's not summer
0: it's big moxie um and then for big moxie july it's shifter paranormal and then q4 is
1: soulmates yeah I've got these all written down somewhere, but you know, so q so so we're, I had we're, to go we're, look <laughs> well, sapphic summer would be q three, so that would that would line up with shifter Saranorm, paranormal uh yeah, so yeah um I'm trying to think of how what I could do it would intersect
0: My q three is going to be the second part of Requiem, so I, I got that I, I got that in the bag and I'm twenty k into q four so I'm, so I'm, I'm working it y'all.
1: Well, I was just thinking Lesbian Werewolves Dark, and I was like, that'd be really primal. (laughs) If I wanted to write, if I wanted to go all in on the All Sex Network. um, You know
0: who would be an excellent lesbian alpha werewolf? Anne Teldy.
1: Anne Teldy would be a great, so would Melinda May.
0: Bringing it. She'd be bringing it.
1: I was just thinking about, um, now I have my own casting for female Tony DiNozzo. That I've always used in my head. But when I started thinking about this. Like werewolf Melinda May. Who has a fuck buddy. um, In Tony DiNozzo. I actually had Dark's casting in my head. So Dark I might wind up borrowing your casting for Tony.
0: Now Dark uses that chick from Battlestar Galactica right? Or is that the one you use?
1: I use the chick from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um,
0: She's hot like fire.
1: She really is yeah. Yeah, she's really tall. She got green eyes. Um, I'm gonna
0: you I'm gonna do a rule sixty-three on an old TV show. I don't want to say what it is yet, but I'm pretty. I'm pretty excited about it. I've also considered rule 63-ing both John and Rodney because I feel like J- Julia and Meredith are a match made.
1: <laughs> so I'm getting a picture. A good picture of Trisha Helfer. Uh, Trisha Helfer is the one I usually use for. Tony.
0: I really do think I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to write a Meredith Julia story. I think, I think that'd be a lot of fun. She, she's just hot like fire. I mean, just woman. She had a great TV show that lasted one season and they canceled it. It pissed me off so much. She was a Texas Ranger. Really? Yeah, it was great. Um, it was called Killer Women maybe? Yeah. It was called Killer Women. It was in 2014 and it was one season and I, I loved it. I was so mad when they didn't give me another season.
1: This is who Dark uses, is Tyne Stappfeldt. I, I think that's how you pronounce her. Well, she's Cara. hot too.
0: Yeah. Beautiful eyes.
1: What is with that funny little share thing that happened? I, was, I think somebody had a really bad screen grab thing.
0: Ah. Uh, anyway. Two very, very attractive women. I really enjoyed Killer Women. I was really pissed off when they cancelled it after one season. And it was just getting good too. It was really getting interesting. Like, like like they found their feet. I was just like, yeah. Then nothing. I mean, just booming.
1: Both women have a very square jaw. Uh, Trisha Helfer and Tyne Stabfelt have, both have a very square jaw. It's not as obvious, or or very pronounced, not square, but a very pronounced jaw. Um, it's not as obvious with Trisha Helfer. This is the picture I use in my casting for the horseman, let me just copy this out. She's a really good fit as a shepherd in that picture. Yeah, she is. Because, and, because I, and that was one of the reasons why I really liked her as a fit, as a fit, because the, the shepherds have a very distinct jaw. <laughs> that jawline, it's like, that's a shepherd jaw. Um,
0: Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting to see it, and see it in other actors and go, yeah, I can use that. I, I can use them as a shepherd, I can use them as a shepherd. Them as
1: a shepherd, <laughs> uh, they can be a shepherd, there's a future shepherd there, and, if, and you're a shepherd, and you're a shepherd. And especially if they've got <laughs> green eyes, right? It's like green or blue yeah. eyes. It's like, okay. All right, I think Trisha's eyes are, are green, if I remember correctly. That's why I thought she was a really good fit for Tony. But anyway, I'm thinking about a couple of uh, options for doing another um, Rule 63 Dinozo. I haven't quite been inspired to Rule 63 anything in 911 um, at this point. Um, although I have done some really good. I do think when you... We were talking one day about potential casting. We could have some really good alternate casting for Rule 63, both Buck and Eddie. But, um, weirdly, FaceApp does a great job of the gender transformation on the two of them. I mean, it's amazing. Buck, especially, is very pretty. Um,
0: Yeah. For those of you who are curious, who read my Rule 63 911, I cast Margot Robbie as the female Buck.
1: Yeah yeah margot robbie is is a great you know was it was a great pick because we but the the buck i think i still got it on my phone um let me see if i still got them i did the the face app uh things um although i did, also did myself what would i look like as a man it was not a happy moment in my life <laughs>
0: <laughs> she regretted all her life choices
1: i'm like while i'm here i'm like oh no bad bad news for some reason, I downloaded a picture of Eddie with a, a cat and Buck with a cat. I must have had some sort of cat thing on the brain. And there's six hula hoops because I had to, I had to choose the right hula hoop. Yeah, that's a really good female Buck.
0: That's Margot Robbie
1: bringing it. So uh, I definitely still have the female Eddie. I The arms, it, of course, I need to pick a picture that doesn't have arms in it because it didn't do a damn thing with the arms. Not a damn thing.
0: The one thing that... um we talked about before in the past is, I honestly would not rule 63 Eddie. I mean, it's a gorgeous picture. But the reason I wouldn't do it is because there aren't a lot of Latino characters on TV that have such a positive character, like who's not being portrayed in the ugly stereotypical way. And I wouldn't want to take that away. Because here is a Latino actor with a really good part who has a family, who is, you know, doing the best that he can. And it's just, I, it's kind of rare on primetime TV.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I also wouldn't rule 63 Athena.
1: No, I wouldn't either.
0: Because Angela Bassett is just Angela Bassett. And you She's perfect the fuck way fuck she off. is. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, there are some characters, uh, because of the circumstances and the representation and the diversity being offered with that character, that it would be, you know, just genuinely shameful to to alter it, in my mind. That's just my personal preference going on there. Um, I just, I wouldn't want to take it away.
1: So here's but the... But I will
0: rule 63 white dudes all day long. Just... <laughs> right? <laughs> That's
1: just crazy. And that's what Facebook just that's just without doing any tweaking, that's what Face App does with, with Oliver Stark. So if you don't want to cast, you know, if you don't want to try to put casting, you can just um, you know, use FaceApp to say, Hey, what would this character look like? What would this actor look like as as a different Yeah,
0: Jennifer Lawrence probably wouldn't be a bad casting for Buck either. Yeah. But one thing that I focused on when I Rule sixty three Buck was I didn't want to end up writing uh, one of the pitfalls that I see in fandom with the rule sixty three trope is that they will write a female McKay or a female Buck and then change absolutely nothing about them like their gender is irrelevant when we all know that's not true men and women have very va- have vastly different experiences um and we are a sum of our parts and so when I was crafting Olivia Buckley which i don't know if i even recognized that i was making a play on oliver when i did that but it was too late once it was done i couldn't take it back it, I, I tried changing her name it didn't work it just it, it was there and it was done you know um
1: in this day and age they don't have to work twice as hard to get through the academy but they do have to meet the same standard which
0: um the days being of being holding... able to lift 150 pounds
1: it's it's pretty extreme so it's very difficult for a woman to get through the fire academy but what it, w- where they do have to work twice as hard is for the recognition and the respect of their peers once they're out of the academy but especially in a state like California they're just not going to be allowed to discriminate against women and make her jump through hoops anymore they used to do that with women firefighters just make them jump through hoops that men didn't have to jump through in order to become a firefighter, and that's just that doesn't fly anymore. But
0: I have with 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 female cops as well?
1: Yeah, they don't. They they have to just meet the same standards. I think getting to the academy. I mean, she might have um, some difficult. Um, she might have some difficult um, difficulty with like just pressure from her male peers who treat her like shit or who make shitty sexist comments that kind of thing. But she wouldn't have to literally do twice as much. But once she's out of the Academy, to get the same respect and recognition, yeah, she probably does have to be twice as good. And she is. Olivia is a badass. Olivia
0: has a a support network in her in-laws. And there came a point in her life where in the moment when she needed someone the most, she was alone. And she had to deliver her daughter by herself on the side of the road. Which is why she says getting her daughter into the world was harder than climbing Everest. Um, And that experience basically taught her that there was nothing she couldn't accomplish if she put her mind to it. And so she approached everything from that perspective from that day forward. But that's why Olivia is not Evan. and It's really weird when people rule 63 a character and they don't explore their circumstances to figure out how they would be different while trying to keep the essence of that character, as well, and I know it can be difficult, but Rodney McKay and Meredith McKay would have had vastly different experiences, practically from birth.
1: There aren't many characters who would have had the exact who would have had very similar. Um, certainly, wealth can make be a leveler, where somebody, but. <sighs> Even there, you, like, even there, you have to account for differences to, to some degree. Um, because while you might be able to argue that a female Tony Stark might have been able to um, have a lot of the same eccentricities and be allowed a lot of those eccentricities because of wealth, there are still circumstances that would have been different, especially between her and her parents. I think the dynamic... Yeah. The, to, to say the dynamic between Antonia Stark and Anthony Stark... And, and their father would be the same, I think is disingenuous. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But some people really do think that way. They think that a, a parent dynamic, I think Tony Denozo's life experience are probably vastly different um, female. So Antonio Denozo would, I mean, I don't think Antonio Denozo would have been a, a military academy for starters. So, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to, you have to make, you kind of have to have the author hand way of convenience to kind of get your story to happen. But uh, you also have to account for some changes and like, how did your, how did your character get here to the same place with the differences in their life? Now in that short um, ruination that I, I wrote between Cassie Yates and, and Antonia Dinoza, Antonia Dinoza, Uh The difference was is when she, her mother died, she went to live with her, her uncle in, and she was already working for MI5 when her, bro, when her uncle became the prime minister of England. And MI5 was like, we can't handle the stress of your shenanigans. So they sent her to America to be the MI5 liaison to the, to the FBI because they're like, nope, we just can't deal with this crap. <laughs> So, um, but she was adopted by her, her uncle in that story. Um, as opposed to which, cause when cause what I feel, I feel like my, in my head, the dynamic was that she died, the family was like, you know, Jasper and, and Jeffrey were like, this is a piece of Claire. And I think that they would have seen that more in a daughter than they would have seen that in a son. So it was just what mm-hmm. I did for that particular story. Uh, but that's what made sense in my head. But I could also see Antonia Dinoza, Antonio. No- Why do I keep it, it remo- rhymes? Antonia Dinozo. I I had to start saying Tony Dinozo because I just cannot deal with <laughs> what my own mouth is doing tonight. I gotta, I, I do think that Tony Dinozo uh, would have had different set of circumstances with with senior. Um, and it wouldn't have been military academy. And even if you just take military academy out of the equation, how does that change things? Certainly. Female Tony Donozo does not wind up getting, you know, getting his leg broken, her her leg broken in the game between.
0: I also don't think she gets abandoned in Hawaii.
1: Right. I mean, there's just, I, and if she was abandoned in Hawaii, if she was really forgotten in Hawaii, that would have been a much bigger stink. So, I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's, just, one I, of, it's just one of
0: those. It's just, fathers are very. They're different with their daughters. Uh, I honestly think for all of Senior's faults, he would have been very invested in protecting her just for his own personal image.
1: Right. She would have expected
0: to man up the way Tony was.
1: Right. She would have been very much in a bubble. I think that's one of the things a lot of times in the kind of situation Tony was in, especially that kind of upbringing. It's sort of like, oh, man up and deal. You're, you're a man, deal with it. Um, but he could have very well
0: treated her like his little princess. But this I think been, he honestly, that is what he got.
1: Yeah, I think he wouldn't have wanted to deal with her, so he could have put her in a bubble, and she could have lived at a year-round boarding school. And honestly, you could go either way with that, because there are some. I mean, I remember I read about this year-round boarding school, when I was, I think I was twelve, and I desperately wanted to go. I was like, "That's where I want to be." Mom, can be swing this? She's like, <laughs> "Oh my God, no, honey, that is so expensive." And I was like, "Are you sure I can't go away to this this school forever?" And she's like, "No." So, but, you know, it's, there is a reimagining of the character you have to go through. I know certainly Dark does this with, with when she rules 63 and she does do a reimagining. Um, but big instrumental event in Tony DiNozzo's life, male Tony this canon, was the high school football frat experience, breaking his leg in the game against Michigan. Um, that doesn't happen to Rule 63. So you have to, that's a big difference. Because would Tony have gone pro if he hadn't broken his leg? What? What? what he what got, th-
0: he he broke his leg in a football game, right?
1: Yeah, the game—they call it the game. It's the big rivalry game between Ohio State and uh, Michigan State.
0: Because female Tony could have easily played basketball, but I don't see taking a, bro- a broken leg as an injury.
1: Yeah, it just—I just not—I just, just don't, don't see it having the en- the emphasis, you know. Yeah. Because for a guy going into college into a frat who's a star football player, that is a whole different vibe than a girl right? in a sorority who plays basketball. Mm. Or, or, or volleyball or soccer or whatever. It is a very, very different vibe. If she's in a so
0: sorority, it, I imagine it would be soccer.
1: Yeah. So it's just a very different it's – a, it's a different thing you got to figure out for your characters. What does all this mean? So um, if you're going to rule 63 to get your character – get to the character where you want um um you know because sometimes you, you you may you may you may rule 63 a character for the alternative challenge as well to write alternative sexuality or, or, or gender you know somebody on the gender spectrum in order to to take you to a place it's easier to write from for your first rattle out of the box with that and that's fine but if you're going to rule 63 a character you have to you can't just make them um a man, uh, but I see. Th- I find it coincidentally disingenuous to have all of these life events mirror exactly. So Tony. It Genozo- doesn't ring true. No, Tony denoza broke his leg in a basketball game. So Antonia Denozo broke her Denozo broke her, broke, her, broke her leg in in a basketball game. It's just it, when when you have too many mirrors like that, it, it it's the co- the coincidence starts to challenge suspension of disbelief, you have to be really careful with it.
0: And it. I don't think it's core. I mean, give her a bad father, give her a deceased mother. That, that's core. Um,
1: core to Tony is abstract thinking. The way Tony thinks out of the box. Um, uh, the way Tony is with people, outgoing. I mean, those are the things that are core to Tony. But certainly the issue with the basketball or the, the football and the broken leg is those are all decision points that led Tony down his career path. So if you take Antonia on a different sets of decision points, then you have to figure out how does Antonia still wind up in in that spot in the same spot and there's all kinds of interesting things i think you could do like uh maybe she doesn't join ncis until until a little later maybe she joins ncis and kate dies um because the fbi is suspicious of a Mossad liaison and so they arrange to have and one of their transfers own
0: transfers in from the fbi like was it black adder who transferred in and out of the fbi to the inside to, to ncis yeah
1: so she's sent over basically undercover to keep an eye on ziva because the fbi is suspicious so you know either she could be transfer or she could be seconded or she could be a liaison from the fbi and she's tasked to gibbs team um fornell could even be asking for a favor how could hey could you take this one or whatever uh you know there there are ways to get depending upon when you want to write it so if you wrote it like season six or whatever you could have the same set of characters. It's just they all got there. Tony got there in a different way. Um But yeah, the whole... uh
0: You could actually, if you were going to do that, have whoever is currently the senior field agent protest so vehemently, Ziva being on the team, that Gibson's them packing. And Tony comes in from the FBI to be, to be the senior field agent. Yeah. Fornell does so, him a favor. I put favor so quotes are... over here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. So there are ways you can get your character into position that are a little less contrived than a direct mirror of life circumstances. Because if you're gonna do a direct mirror of their life circumstances, well Why bother? Yeah. I mean I have to tell you, half the fun for me of writing um Rule Sixty Three Tony in the way the with the backstory I gave her was um was the fact that she was the prime minister's adopted daughter i i don't know why i found that so amusing because when ziva was talking about when she was pulling the my daddy card and tony's sitting there like yeah your daddy sure you go right ahead and keep you go ahead and call your daddy i'll have him call my daddy and we'll see how far that gets we've had a lot of people say good night as uh i was yapping so i say good night to all of you who have wandered off who probably won't even hear this but good (laughs) night
0: and um, what's the last theme the last theme is
1: the last theme what's is up? vibrant vibrant writing about uh bipoc characters um get more characters who are not white basically get characters who are not white into your work and if you're very comfortable i would say in a very specific lane try getting into a different lane um if you've always written like if you're very comfortable writing like east asian characters maybe try writing a character who's more from the middle east or from india or somewhere in there Uh, maybe you try writing a character who is uh, black or um, native american or some other indigenous you know population try or try writing somebody who's from um, any of the uh, latin american countries just kind of put yourself into a different space Try to try to try to challenge your lane. I mean, a lot of people aren't comfortable, don't have a lot of experience writing BIPOC characters, anyway, um, unless they happen to write in a fandom that is rich in um, characters of color. Which that is one thing I will say for the Nine One One franchise is they kind of exploded um, diversity onto the screen, and people had the option to. but, you know, get Nancy and Paul together in Lone Star instead of writing Carlos and I mean, Carlos is, you know, Latino. But instead of writing Carlos and TK, uh, try writing Nancy and Paul, you know, challenge you yourself You should always a
0: little bit. write Ian Edgerton. Ian Edgerton. Um, the actor who plays him is both Filipino and Native American. So you could explore that.
1: Yeah, and and there is, is a big difference between somebody from Hawaii and someone who's Hawaiian. So you could write somebody who's Hawaiian or Samoan or any of the Pacific Islanders. Um,
0: there are characters in our established fandoms that you could write. You just gotta pick them up and look at them and see, okay, what kind of story can I tell with this person?
1: Yeah, and the goal is to let them be more central to the story not just a side character. Uh if you want to stay in 911 core, there's Ravi, there's May. Of course there's Athena. Uh there's David, David Hale, uh Michael, Hen, Karen, Chimney. Um mm. <laughs> Eddie of course, but you know, a lot of people are very comfortable writing Eddie. Uh stretch yourself, but you could write Isabel. You could write a story about Isabel. Um Let's see. Who else on the character? I feel like I'm missing somebody who's a BIPOC character on 911. one Who am I missing? Oh, it be a Peppa. Anybody well, in the Diaz family.
0: There's Hen and Kara. There's Hen and Karen. I said them. Obviously. Um, Did you? Okay.
1: Um, yeah. Um, Albert? Oh, Albert. Yeah. Uh, I think Albert was who I was missing. I said... Ravi was one of the first, I said. Because um, he's the first one who... You could write, I didn't mention the Lees, but yeah, you could write the Lees. It would be, it'd be interesting to write something from the Lees about the Lees or from their point of view or the Lees taking care of Or even their of. son, G. Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Kevin. Lee. I, yeah, I mentioned David when I brought up, when I mentioned Michael. His last name's so, Hale. Then there's, David's there's last name's Hale. There's,
0: there's, oh yeah, Harry. Harry. Harry
1: Grant well. Yeah. Oh, and Denny. and Denny. Yeah, and Nia. Yeah, Linda from the Dispatchers. I always forget about Linda. She was really good. I mean, you've got and honestly, Carla, Carla, somebody like um, the Lees or Kevin or um, or Linda from Dispatch. These are all also so underdeveloped that you could qualify them to develop as an OC. So, yeah, Shadow pointed that out too. So, um, and David Hale too qualifies as that. That there's just no development of them. So you could you could actually. Go somewhere with with creating you know crafting them and, and using them for your OC challenge as well. So we will get to the bipoc challenge before we get to the OC challenge. But you could try to get com- if you get comfortable in that in that lane and you go okay well I've explored Ravi who actually we do have characterization on but I really like this was fun I will maybe I'm going to explore um, the Lees as the original characters in the next in the next story. You could do all four seasons in 911. 911 has a wealth of diversity in it. So, uh, as much as the the canon drives me bonkers sometimes, hello season five, um, they have they have brought a lot to the table to work with for something like this. So does anybody have any questions? Well, actually, before we go to the questions portion of the program, I need to take a quick break. I will be right back.
0: Okay, I'm going to pause the recording. You guys remind me. Okay. Um, so, questions? Does anybody have any questions about the challenge or um, how it works, what it means?
1: I will finalize the FAQ and stuff tomorrow and get the um, the doohickey. Um, the,
0: we'll have an official publication.
1: Yeah, the what's it called? The um, help me cure Marie. The, the just point. right. The, the channel on Discord set up tomorrow. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We'll do a channel so people can Consider go and talk. It. You know and, and I mean, I know it can be intimidating, especially with some more than others. To, especially if you're worried about, you know, there's two aspects of it. For some of these, worried, especially two of them, is worry about getting it wrong, um, and and then just being outside of your lane and being insensitive or or whatever, people being an asshole to you. So there's the worry about people being a dick to you, and then the worry about just you're insensitive and you got it wrong, you know. So I think if you approach
0: a subject like this with the right intentions um that most reasonable people are going to see that um and the unreasonable people they're never going to see it, no matter what you say or what you do um yeah. so you just can't you just can't let them have a space in your head rent-free i mean you know
1: some i mean pe- people will say on the one hand i want more characters i want more stories of trans characters i want more characters more stories with ace characters or more stories with non-binary characters or whatever it is that they feel is underrepresented and then when they get it they're nothing but critical of the way it was delivered and since there is no one flavor of gender and there is no one flavor of any sexuality i mean i don't read a heterosexual or a gay or a lesbian story going oh that's not my person that's that's not what happens when somebody goes down on me Uh, they must have got it wrong right I mean,
0: that's I don't how any of that works.
1: I mean, sometimes I go, "That's not how any of that works," because what the person is describing is anatomically impossible. But that's not exactly right. the same thing. I don't, I don't pick apart somebody else's interpretation of how, as long as it's reasonable, you know, like there could be a lesbian out there like that, um, and um, so I don't, I don't go there, and yet. People will say they want more of whatever type of story, and then when they get it, they do nothing but criticize what they got. So, um, and the thing is, I know that that's the minority of people. I know that most people who are hoping for better representation for um, characters outside the binary and BIPOC characters, and I know that I know they just want people to to get in and write it. I know that's the majority of the people. So I think it's really important if you're in that majority that you be a little vocal and encourage um and say you know yeah do the damn thing get out there and do it so i mean just in setting this challenge up i was a little i was a little hesitant so i did consult with um not just the mod team who are either bipoc or um you know outside the binary or whatever um i also consulted with some of their husbands (laughs) indirectly could you go ask the man a question
0: (laughs) Is this racist? You don't. You. I don't think you'd be surprised at all, guys. How often my husband gets asked that question in relating to my work? Hey, babe. If I do this, would it be racist? No. Okay. Thanks. <laughs>
1: thanks. You're <laughs> the best. Have a cookie. <laughs> Not my cookie though. Oh, that
0: cookie. Not only was it my cookie, it was the last oh. sugar-free chocolate chip peanut uh, walnut cookie in this fucking house. I made them myself.
1: Oh dear. Oh dear. He still it deserved that cookie. He still deserved that dark
0: cookie. Dark chocolate. It was quality dark chocolate.
1: He still deserved that cookie.
0: I paid $10 for that chocolate bar, Gillian.
1: And how many cookies did you get out of it? Twelve? Well, there you go.
0: <laughs> Why aren't you on my side? <laughs> this man helps you do one thing. I help you all the fucking time. <laughs>
1: As soon as I her, as soon as the manufacturer <laughs> fixes a defect in this thing, you're gonna get some coffee crisp too.
0: <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a good job, uh, but uh, uh, you know, th- they're gonna complain. I long ago, this this could be a little bit triggery for those of you who have struggled with depression or suicidal ideation. So if that's the case, um, please take care of yourself and maybe bow out for the next 10 minutes or so, fast forward a little bit, Um, if you're listening to the podcast um, in the future. Um, I wrote a a story called February Song, in what might have been, and John has been kidnapped, and he's been missing, and presumed dead, and Rodney is spiraling um, into an immense depression, um, and he contemplates suicide. His assistant finds him with a gun, He'd already decided not to do it. And I, when I wrote that scene, it was really difficult for one for, for me to write. Because I've been there. I've been in that place. Um, but I was holding a bottle of pills.
1: And the thing is, even if, you, even if you decide not to go there, even if you decide not to do it then, if someone finds you have taken the overt action of getting the device, Phew. that is a huge warning sign. And anybody responsible is going to take imminent action because it's it's a it it is one mood shift away from you being right back there
0: and that is the true slippery slope y'all right there i mean it's it's so easy to get back there um i was under treated for my clinical depression at the time so i wrote this scene i i worked really hard on february song it's probably one of my favorite pieces in what might have been um and i posted it and about three days after I posted it, someone sent me this long ranty email telling me I had no fucking idea what I was talking about, I didn't know what it was like to be depressed, I didn't know what it was like to be contemplating suicide, it's not that easy to decide not to do it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I I didn't respond, because I had nothing to say to this person that wouldn't have been deeply, profoundly ugly. I get that that wasn't their experience. I get it. I get that making that decision to not do it must have been really difficult for them. But not everybody's the same. But also, some people take the road to suicide in a matter of minutes.
1: And the and the decision it is not, a
0: permanent it, solution to a temporary problem.
1: And it happens very quickly. Um, and the other thing that is that they aren't factoring in is they're just looking at this work of fiction as a real life mirror. And the thing is, as much as Kira was. I imagine drawing on real life experience to craft that narrative as hard as that scene was and that, that, that story was to write. I remember the story. It's one of the few and what it might have been that I've only read once because it is a very difficult read. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember the gun thing very vividly and thinking that, you know, that is, it's, it's such a huge, even if he'd stopped himself, it is such a huge um, red flag. Um, that this person needs help. It, just because they stopped themselves once doesn't mean that this is over. But I mean,
0: when you're spiraling like that, it it's hard to think about anything else but the emotional pain that you're going through. Right. And they also said in the email that Rodney was too smart to kill himself.
1: <laughs> like and that was don't.
0: the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Right.
1: But the other thing is about a fictional narrative is like, you would not walk your readers through every step of rodney's thought process his depression no. because it's not the kind of writer you are that's not the kind of tone of your narrative um it would be a dramatic departure Also,
0: it's torture porn it is and I-, I don't write torture porn
1: so it's one thing to give broad brush strokes at a deep issue that your character is struggling with and then get to the point it's another thing to delve deep into it and just kind of wallow in it. Um, I don't wallow in anything.
0: So, well, and what they basically were... do wallow a little bit in and pain, but...
1: Right, but they, they, it what it they basically before. were saying was they expected <laughs> you to wallow in that whole experience and draw it out to make it realistic for them. And that's just... For starters, even if, even if the character had been through a lot more than I was portraying on the screen, I would never draw that out in in the end the tale because it would be too painful like you said be torture porn
0: it but to be be told i knew nothing about depression was startling because i have been clinically depressed since puberty i wasn't diagnosed until my 20s but um i can see the demarcation in my life and i have been clinically depressed basically since puberty which i think probably explains a lot about my pmdd and um how menopause is affecting me now, or perimenopausal state is affecting me now. Um, Obviously, I am very much a victim of my own hormones. uh, And the past two days, (laughs) and I promise you, I'm not having like some kind of spiral or some kind of episode or anything. I'm taking my medication on schedule. I am a okay over here. But I have been like on the verge of tears for the past two days (laughs) for no reason. And of course, the reason actually is, is I'm... I'm in the throes of PMS. I am about to throw down <laughs> on the PMS front. And I'm like, I'm going to go watch something so I can cry. And, get it out- and just get it over with.
1: <laughs> yeah, just kind, of, just kind of wallow in it. Let the cry happen. I um, watched
0: Rogue One. Because <laughs> it's not only the best Star Wars movie ever made. It is the saddest Star Wars movie ever made. Right?
1: It's like, oh my god. I have seen it
0: so grieved in Victory before. <laughs>
1: But the thing is, we all knew how it was going to end. But yeah, we still watch. The thing is, I was somebody one day was like they, they were surprised at the ending, and I was like, "Really? How could you be surprised by the ending?" <laughs> I mean, they but told okay. you the
0: ending two decades ago,
1: right? We got many that spoil- rebels died. We got that spoiler plans. in nineteen seventy-seven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> many rebels died. She told us. Yeah. And every time we met somebody in the rock I was like, oh god, you're gonna die too. This is so sad. I'm,
1: all gonna, die, I'm <laughs> gonna die. It's gonna be dead. Oh, even the
0: robot dying. Oh my god, the droid died too. Fuck this. <laughs> because I start crying around the droid death. I want you to know. That that's where I let go. Just it might as well be a funeral with Sally Field. It's <laughs> just
1: Kira Kira's gotten really all in on the droids. I mean, you don't want to injure a droid. <laughs> Kira's like... I I get it. I do. I really do. I totally understand.
0: It's really... Their circumstances in Star Wars is really upsetting. It is. Because even the, even the Rebels treat them like shit. And CP3O gets reprogrammed multiple times. Gets his life experience just taken away from him. Repeatedly. And no one seems to think it's a problem. And it drives me nuts. It's disgusting. He's basically brainwashed repeatedly. I-
1: Kara's going to write a short fix-it just for C-3PO or someone comes in and liberates it from those assholes who keep mind-wiping him.
0: Well, that's why when Han is talking about turning him into a hunter droid in the Thousand Mile Road, Leia says, no, he's lost enough.
1: Bucky Barnes. And Han's uh, not
0: being... He's just irritated,
1: right? Right. But They like to issue that threat, and it's not funny. Um, but, you know, you, you could have Bucky Barnes' dimension hop, and he's like, Y'all are mind wiping these people? I mean, he, that could be a real big deal for him. No uh not on my watch. Uh uh
0: <laughs> This stops today. <laughs> but also those those uh control bolts are disgusting. Oh my god. Yeah.
1: Ooh. Give 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 I, Bucky. A... I
0: learned too much in my Star Wars research. Yeah, you did. I did.
1: Yeah, give give and let him be force sensitive so he can he can use the force. Give yeah. So there's Bucky Barnes with a lightsaber. He's like you want some of this? Come on. He and C-3PO Yeah, Willow, be.
0: that... I watched Rogue One in the theater, and I ugly cried over the appearance of Princess Leia at the end of that. Oh. Because we just lost Harry, and... Uh, wait. Stop. <laughs> make myself cry now. I told you I'm on the virgin tears for two days. Oh. He can have it the
1: super... Oh. He, he definitely has a super arm. Maybe one that Tony Stark gave him when he dimension hops, and he and C-3PO, uh... Or, you know start gal you know traveling the galaxy together, liberating droids and c three p o keeps his uh or an r two d two comes along it helps keeps his arm in functional condition
0: r two d two would have to come along to be the
1: adult right yeah, it'd be, it, <laughs> this the arm
0: head, he actually is the only adult <laughs> in the whole franchise
1: it'd be the arm of droid defense it'd be like their icon of of droid the droid defense arm the arm the arm. They could just call him the arm. The arm.
0: But yeah, I mean, so I watch Rogue One and um, my husband comes in and my face is soaking wet with tears. And he says, why are you doing this to yourself? This movie makes you ugly cry every time you see it. I'm like, shut up. It's almost time for Princess Leia. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to ruin it for me. He says, you've seen it 25,000 times. Every time is like the first time.
1: Never, ever, never, ever talk through Carrie Fisher appearing on screen. Hush.
0: It's time for Space Mom. But, um...
1: That could be hysterical, Sager, the Arm of Droid Liberation... It's could go. don't you mean army? No, no, just an arm.
0: <laughs> we didn't need an army, as it turned out.
1: We just needed an arm. And we'd really like to meet the guy who invented that arm, but it's just one arm. It's attached okay. to somebody who's really good with a lightsaber, though there's a
0: thing that goes basically unsaid in the thousand mile road and um it just goes unsaid completely all the way through to the very end and um someone emailed me and said so willa is their third child right (laughs) yeah kind of yeah (laughs) kind of yeah that would that would be his third family (laughs) we don't talk about it (laughs) But Someone he does, to... you know, get your own. <laughs> yeah. So you can't you, you can not actually have her.
1: Someone tries to get into Bucky Barnes' head, he's gonna be like, Oh no, no, you did not. Here's a lightsaber to the face. Um And y'all yo, I have to say, you know, November is a dimension challenge, right? is November Dimension? Um I think it is. For who? Ralph oh Trade. for Rough
0: Trade? Mm. I think it is New Dimension.
1: Bucky Barnes could go find himself in a new Star Warsy dimension. I don't know how I got here. So November
0: is Revolutions. July is Mutants. Um, I I, I love alternate setting. Yeah, so I love that. I love November, that line, Sandria. We played that game. You <laughs> suck at it.
1: Yeah, because he would have opinions about people trying to mess with his head.
0: Right. I don't know how Wanda and the Winter Soldier meet and she survives it. Um. So November for rough trade is can divergent slash new dimension.
1: So yeah, I'm all for Bucky Barnes, the arm of droid liberation.
0: And if you're wondering, do we have enough challenges? No, there are over a thousand people on um, Just Right, and plenty of them don't participate in anything we got going on. And we're gonna keep at you until you pick up something. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we did roll over recently to a thousand people because you can tell when that happens because uh, offline people stop showing up in the people list. It's like, oh, one day I went in and I was looking for somebody in the offline list and the offline list wasn't there. And I went, oh, we rolled over to a thousand people. Yep. <laughs> we have no more offline lists. Hmm. I'm pondering purging inactives because <laughs> I'm not sure I like this.
0: <laughs> I can I God did to purge inactives. Um...
1: Yeah, if you've got a role, you would never get purged. But people who come on never never pick up a role, which means they never really function in anything in the server. You know, we might start purging those people after 30 days. Jewish ace, Bucky Barnes with a lightsaber. <laughs> I think Archer D T d 2 is here for it. Yeah. And he could occasionally, there could be circumstances where something happens, he could go, oh, no, I'm Jewish. People would be like, what? What is he talking about? What's Jewish? What planet is that?
0: That could fast become that universe's version of someone call my solicitor,
1: <laughs> and then everybody, oh, and then he's such a badass. Everybody's like, "What is it about him?" And everybody goes, "He's Jewish." Jewish. <laughs> What's that? We don't know. We don't know. But that's what he is. So therefore, that must be why he's such a badass. Where is this planet? Uh, we don't know. We don't know. We're trying to find it. We, we don't. We can't afford to have any more. And then somebody else comes along. I, it, whenever they meet a stranger, you're not Jewish, are you? And they go, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that happens. Nick, stuff happened while you were gone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Lightsabers. Yeah.
1: It, Bucky Barnes is going to... Because we were talking about uh, them mind wiping C-3PO repeatedly. And... um how gross that was and how like bucky barnes would not be here for it and you know he dimension hops into star wars dimension and finds out that they mind wipe droids who are sentient and sapient And he's like oh no i'm not here for that and he's force sensitive so he can use a lightsaber and um, he's resistant to my- mental intrusion and the first time like darth sidious tries to like get inside his head he's like bitch what kind of amateurish crap was that <laughs> Let me introduce you to my arm of droid liberation. <laughs> so yeah, that's what you missed. And then, I don't know, somehow, I, I, I'm going to blame Sadria because it was Sadria's fault that all of a sudden Bucky was Jewish. Yeah, just the arm. Not an army, just we an arm. An We've got an arm. He's always Jewish. Yeah, and so they wouldn't know um, what Jewish was. And so they would start to associate his badassery with him being Jewish.
0: So well, hear me out. Alternate universe dimensional thing. What if I wrote both for November in one story?
1: Alternate universe.
0: What so technically if in a universe where Rodney McKay is a woman, where Meredith McKay exists, that's an alternate universe. Yeah. So what if she falls into another dimension and meets a female shepherd and decides to stay? Thoughts?
1: I like it. What do you mean but what do you mean by writing both?
0: Well, in November it's wait. November's canon divergence. In... Canon divergence. Oh, it's can divergence. Oh, can divergence. But well, obviously, def- if an alternate universe, Meredith McKay falls into a new dimension, canon has diverged. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's true.
0: <laughs> I would like to put her down in a universe where McKay isn't there because that way I'll have to deal with that whole entropy thing. Um, uh,
1: oh the quantum uh, the quantum or the cascade failure whatever Thing. they
0: call it yeah the cascade failure because that, and then also i wouldn't want to deal honestly i wouldn't want to deal with two mckays uh that's a lot um it would be really interesting if they lost mckay during like the first year of the expedition and they're out there struggling and barely making it and they have no contact with earth and an alternate universe version um of mckay falls onto the city and it's female it's it's female McKay, and they're all like, "A McKay is a McKay.
1: <laughs> we'll take it. We keeper? don't care. We don't care. Just put that brain to work, please. I think you know.
0: <laughs> She's like, wait, you know, John, you're specific. You're you're, you're especially hard as a woman. <laughs> I'm, <sighs> but yeah, that just I'm just just kind of working my way through that to see what I think just have some fun with it and i think that's what's important about these challenges is to find some you know find ways to be inspired um and i think one of the when it comes to the success of rough trade having existed for 10 years in fandom which for a challenge is a, that's a big deal to have existed that long um and basically fundamentally working the same way for t- for a decade super proud of it um but one thing i would say about rough trade is that we're not static that we're you know we're exploring concepts and themes and um, tropes, and we're not just doing the same thing over and over and over again, so it's not boring. I think you are, Sadria, and I look forward to reading it. Every... <laughs> just, just roll with it, sweetheart, it'll be fine. <coughs> November, <coughs> that's uh, alternate dimension, our new dimension is, um, candy version, our new dimension is the November challenge for this year. I mean, that's nano waiting to happen, you got this. But um, I just, you know, so I think as a writer, like in reference to like, you know, the dynamic changes that, you know, that we keep keeping Rough Trade fresh is that keeping yourself fresh on the creative front is to your advantage. Exploring your boundaries, testing yourself, trying new ideas. Um, you don't want to be that writer that tells the same story 15 times a year.
1: Or if you do, you well, I don't get... want
0: to be that writer.
1: <laughs> if that is you, you must get really bored with the craft podcast.
0: I'm sorry. Not really. I'm not sorry. I stubbed my toe earlier today. This is information you don't need, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. Um, and broke a toenail.
1: I do that. In uh, the quick. Ooh. Ouch.
0: And what's worse is I didn't even notice. And you know what happens when you break a nail in the quick, how painful that is. I didn't notice. Until I looked down and saw that my sock was wet, and I was there was blood on the floor, and I was like, "What the?" F-? And I real, I took my sock off, and I had basically torn half my pinky toenail off, and I didn't notice. I have diabetes, Lennox, um, and so I have neuropathy, and one of the side effects of neuropathy beyond nerve pain is that sometimes my toes go numb. Um, but it hasn't hurt at all the whole time. So I've been. Uh, treating it and taking care of it and it's, it's just weird because even looking at it you're thinking to yourself that should hurt like a motherfucker and yet it doesn't <laughs> it's so bizarre but oddly on the same foot i dropped a book i was um i was moving some books and i dropped a book on my big toe hurt like a motherfucker but my is still numb as shit
1: yeah i occasionally inj- injure my feet and don't notice them so it's always really important if you have any kind of diabetes and it- Especially if you've got neuropathy that you inspect your feet on a regular basis so that you...
0: I do every day. I just, I didn't, I mean, it...
1: I, you you I can have, you can have significant injury. an hour, injury. hour and a half. Yeah, you can have significant yeah. injury and not feel it for a long time. I mean, I dropped a uh, flashlight on my foot um, about a week ago, a little over a week ago. I mean, the bruise was epic, but I barely felt it. I mean, it hurt when I when it fell, but I mean, you would think it won't, if I like poke the bruise, but like I didn't have any problems walking or anything. And, like people are like, are you sure, like? Maybe anybody who saw it like, are you sure you're okay walking and putting a shoe on and stuff with like that? I'm like, yeah, that doesn't bother me. And it didn't as long as I didn't like poke it. Yeah, Dix, I um
0: I'm very responsible with my feet. Um, I get pedicures on the regular. I inspect my feet. Um, I'm very careful because uh, I don't want to have my toes amputated. <laughs> Just. Not, not, I'm not, I'm not here for it. It's just, it was weird that it was, it's weird to have a spot bleeding and have no, nothing. Because sometimes if you hurt yourself and you don't see it, you don't feel it. But when you see it, you start feeling it. But with this, it was like, I mean, it looked like a nightmare. And I'm like, ha ah. <laughs> it just it never started hurting. It was so weird. Not that I want it to hurt because frankly, a nail on the quick is agony. I don't want that. But also, it's weird that it didn't hurt. Yeah. But stubbing your toe is normally like honestly it's one of the more painful experiences
1: <laughs> I have I have two <laughs> I have two modes with my toes it's like I barely felt that in agony that's <laughs> like there's like nothing in between with my feet in general
0: look at look at Susan calling me out that was years ago yes I did drop a knife coated in turkey raw turkeyness. Um, on my foot, and it stuck in the top of my foot. Yes, that that did happen, and my husband did. My mummy fire my foot. Yes, but I felt that shit, every bit of it.
1: When I nearly ripped my toe off when I stepped on this thing in my living room, and by nearly ripped my toe off, I mean that's a little bit of a hyperbole, but not by much, because you could see down to the bone. Um, it hurt when I did it. Like initially, it was like agony, but then after that, it was like. I didn't really feel much. You know, it was weird because yeah. it was like, it, it's like the neuropathy because the, the nerve, the numbness kicked back in because it's like the nerve either transmit too much sensation or not enough. And, um, Yeah. it was one of those weird things is like, I think I told you I before, I'll, I won't get too specific, but I didn't know what had happened because, you know, where it was was at the joint of your toe where it flexes, right? And mm-hmm. so every time I would relax my foot, it's like the wound would seal up. But every time my foot would flex, the wound would Open, and it was leaving a big mess every time I would take a step, and I couldn't figure out where the blow was coming from. <laughs> it was terrible. So finally, I put my foot you know, I picked, you know—put my foot in my face, practically, and was inspecting it. And I like, pushed on each toe, and all of a sudden, I get to the toe that I'd injured, and it's like it moved in a very unnatural way. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing bone, and I went, "Oh no, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> I can't fix that with a bandaid." So, and then I had to drive, which, of course, when you're pressing on your gas and or on your brake pedal, mm. it's opening up that wound constantly. <laughs>
0: Straight up horror movie, and right. I'm in her car at this point.
1: So I get to the hospital, <laughs> my foot wrapped up. It was very ineffective. But he had the guy unwraps my foot, and he rinses it off, and he's like, "I don't see an injury." I said, "Push on that that toe right there," and it wasn't. He goes, "Are you in pain?" And I'm like, "No, just push on it." He pushes, he goes, Oh, okay, yeah, that needs stitches. I was like, Yeah, he thinks so. He's like, Well, that's kind of. Probably a flint,
0: so I can't move it again.
1: He said, That's very interestingly positioned where you go. He said, What did you do? I said, I I couldn't even begin to explain to you how we got where we are. Just please stitch it so I can go home. (laughs) Okay. Do you guys
0: have any questions about the themes? I don't, I don't remember seeing any.
1: I don't either. We've asked a couple times. But this is your last chance because I think Kira and I are both fading.
0: Yeah, I am. I had a long day full of math.
1: Yeah, I walked. I don't like, recommend. I went like a three-mile walk right before we went on this podcast. So I'm feeling a little... <laughs> <laughs> I bet you you've got a billion plots already. You've got already. a plot. You've got a plot. You, you asked for... Talk, I'm, you, know, anytime it's, you ask for this. I am just going to say that. You asked for this. <laughs> ask and you shall receive. Just sometimes I have to percolate on it for a while.
0: Well, obviously the goal is for them to get their own planet. And for the droid of your choice to be the senator at the end.
1: There you go. Droid rights. Introduce droid rights. Droid camp. rights. They, they, they make it illegal to wipe minds of droids.
0: Uh, yeah, r 2 d would obviously be the Yeah, because he's the only adult
1: Well, but he could deny it for that He's like, I'm not going to go hang out with them I'm an adult, you do it <laughs> <laughs> You need
0: me here Oh, right
1: <laughs> They send an assassin droid To to a hunter droid To be on the Senate That this is, and, and, and I Senate say totally
0: be, in, IG <laughs> like right, the said, the They IG. send IG
1: And the it's like this is your representative to the Senate. It's like you got a problem with that. Bucket cut Bucket Bucky shows up with the arm and go. You got a problem with that? Nope. <laughs> this is the arm of Droid Liberation. Do you have a problem with me sending a hundred droid to be our representative? Nope. Are they all Jewish nope. too? <laughs> yep. IG is definitely Jewish. Definitely. He's a total badass. See,
0: you got a I, plot and you got could, an ending. I could see.
1: I could see. Bucky totally being into tea. It's like, Don't diss me, I like tea. I don't need I don't need him to I've got the arm. I don't need him to provide me with guns.
0: Then in the sequel you can drop him down in another universe with robots and droids who are not being treated well.
1: <laughs> but who aren't. And he can se-
0: liberate them too.
1: <laughs> Maybe he they're not sentient yet though and he goes, Well we need to bring them along <laughs> Let's fix this. Farscape. Ah, Farscape. Wally,
0: e Yeah, Bucky in the wall verse There you go. They have tiny little robots in um, in uh, Farscape who take care of the ship, but they aren't like droids in Star Wars. One gets treated like a pet. Yeah, but Moya isn't a, um, isn't a robot. M- Moya is a living ship. And the only people who are on her are the ones that she and Pilot allow.
1: But she could develop a real crush on Bucky because of his history of the Droid Liberation. Hmm. She's like, good. "Look at what you did." <laughs> I like him, and um, he could be her new captain. What? Yeah, was like, "Yeah, new captain." We like him. Everybody's like, Wait, what are you talking about?" I was like, he does good stuff. What? What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> He's Jewish. <laughs> Trying to be the other one that gets it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it becomes Welcome.
1: it becomes this interdimensional uh, sign of badassery right, that somebody's Jewish. <laughs> it's like, and then somebody winds up from like Star Wars or whatever winds up, you know, on Earth, our Earth dimension, and they like wind up in a temple or something. It's like, what is going on here? This is just where people who are Jewish come to worship. He's like, you're all Jewish. <laughs> <And> <laughs> like, there's like hundreds of people here. He's like, I'm just going to back away very slowly. <laughs> Don't kill me.
0: He gets on the radio. I found out where he came from. It could be a whole planet of them. I don't know what to do.
1: We can't stay here. (laughs) We have to go.
0: I think that sometimes in canon, they were rough with Moya. um, In a way that I conceptually found difficult to understand and accept. Because it was like they're living in her body. Yeah. I weirdly, uh... but the other side of it is that she welcomed those circumstances, and she welcomed a pilot who bonded physically with her. Um, and so while it's my nature to want to empathize with her and humanize her, Moya's not human. Yeah. So her she... expectations for her passengers is different than what you would want if you were hosting a bunch of people in your body.
1: It but honestly it, it's because but, of Moya, I think that I kind of it, it, a lot it's a lot of my approach to Atlantis. I kind of anthropomorphize mm-hmm. Atlantis a little bit uh, and make Atlantis oh, I know s- I do. certainly more sentient um, than than Canon gives any foundation for. So um,
0: I highly recommend you watch Farscape. It's perfect.
1: I think that's hysterical adjacent fandom syndrome.
0: Which is true, though. Um, There are two fandoms that I would not... I don't have any current desire to write in. Because I don't think I have anything to add. And Farscape is one of them. And Babylon 5 is the other. Um, But we're getting a Babylon 5... A new show. So, that could change. Yeah, if they make the
1: characters characters riveting. But they fuck up the plot line. Then we might have some Mm. fanfic fodder.
0: Of course, we're also getting a Halo series. Are we? Yeah, we are um yeah. it's gonna be on paramount plus i think or is it hbo i can't remember it's on one of those streaming services the preview looks great so i'm excited mostly i'm excited because i think that will make the fandom bigger and we'll get more halo stories right it's paramount plus they're saying in the chat so sweet of course this is this series has been in development for a long time so i'm glad we're finally getting it um i'm looking forward to it i hope they don't fuck it up
1: So, um, if anybody has, if has any questions, which doesn't seem like anybody does, um, should we call it, call it done?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I hope you guys are excited about the, the opportunity to layer these themes across the works that you're, um, going to be doing this year. And, um, just, you know, think about stretching your creative muscles. It's, it'll be good for you. And if you can't, or if you're not a writer, please support those who do. Please be kind and thoughtful. And give them support in their efforts because I think this kind of diversity is super important in fandom, and we're not going to get it if we're not appreciative of the people who do it. It's the straight up truth.
1: Yeah. Um, Because we won't get people coming back next year to do these themes again if they get a lot of abuse this year.
0: Right. And that's not the goal. We want to be open and diverse. Anyways, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your night or evening or afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. Um, and that uh, you guys have a fantastic week and that you learned a lot on this podcast and you're interested and ready to explore these concepts with us and you're looking forward to Rough Trade, and the Big Moxie, and the Quantum Bang, which is going to be awesome. If you stick around, I'll take up my QB in the after show. Um, and uh, that's, that's all i got to say. Say night, Julie.